is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily, our final show in the peg before heading to Hamilton for the Grey Cup. And uh, who was it? The Beach Boys sang good vibrations. Good vibrations everywhere on Winnipeg uh, right now. Great win for the Jets last night. Kyle Connor is tied for the NHL lead in goals. Jets are back on the practice ice tonight, and the Bombers are getting ready to take on the Montreal Alouettes, trying to win their third Grey Cup in four seasons. We're all over it today. Um, We are going to spend quite a bit of time talking Jets. We're looking forward to having Murad on. Um, Murad, of course, at the game last night, and we'll get his uh, reaction to the first 15 games of the season, as well as the uh, scintillating run that Kyle Connor is on. Um, But we'll also talk Cole Perfetti, Nikolai Ehlers, who had big, big games last night as well. And look ahead to uh, the weekend, taking on the Buffalo Sabres and the Arizona Coyotes. Jamie Thomas is going to jump on for some more Jets talk early on. And then we'll get into some Bomber talk and really the historical significance of what the Bombers could achieve with a win on Sunday. No better person to do that with than the Scooch, the the historian of Winnipeg sports, if you will, Joe Piscucci. So we'll do that a little bit later on. Um, Just before we bring in Michael Remus, got to give a big thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Princess Auto, Cool Bet Canada, Little Brown Jug, the Winnipeg Jets, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, Nick and Nikki DQ, F Apparel, Vita Health, Wallace and Wallace, Canadian Club, Manitoba Battery, Aquatech, and our friends at Modern Man Barbershops. Big shout out to uh, the Mo Bros. The guys are helping us raise money for men's health all year, all uh, month long. Remus, what's going on? Big win last night. And I'm fired up to get out to uh, Toronto and Hamilton later on today. Yeah, uh, what a game uh, for the Jets. Game of the year. You had everything. You had a lot of goals, uh, fights. Um, you know, some big saves from Hellebuck. Uh, so, I mean, nice bounce back from that game against Dallas. The Jets are continuing to roll. And was it like a week or two weeks ago? We were looking at like Shifley and Kyle Connor's stats. We're like, what's going on with these guys? They're like not even point per game. Come on. Uh, what is this? And they had went on an absolute heater last week. And, oh, there they are again. And Kyle Connor, two more goals. He's now got 20 points in 15 games to lead the Jets. And, oh, he's also leading the NHL in goals. Tied with Austin Matthews. Absolutely incredible. And uh, Josh Morsey, you know, everyone's just getting four assist games lately. We had Ayafalo, then Shifley, Morsey. Franchise and, records every yeah, couple games. Yeah, every couple games. Franchise. And uh, everyone's giving you a uh, shout out in the chat, Huss, for calling Nikolai Ehlers to score. And there he was, getting on the board with two Last night, you know, he probably looked at the stat sheet and was like, man, I can't be behind Brandon Dillon in goals and no offense. And now, now they're tied with, tied with four. I love Brandon Dillon being there with four goals. What a week. Uh, what a week he had. Uh, yeah, it was a good one. We called Ehlers last night, and I don't know how many of you jumped on the WST parlay, but uh, that's two in a row. Some people are calling me a human stimulus package. Not sure that that's fair at this point, but I will take it. Um, man, it was uh, it was very nice. Cole Perfetti early on got the point, and then Perfetti with that absolutely scintillating setup of Nikolai Ehlers, who tapped that one into the wide open net. We were in a good spot. 
It just needed the Winnipeg Jets to win, and they got it done. But, you know, just to your point about Connor, who sort of quietly um, has just exploded in the last week and a half, and all of a sudden, as you mentioned, is tied for the league lead in goals. It wasn't too long ago, Reem, that we were sitting here talking about Shifley was actually was after the uh, it was after the Arizona game, I guess. Shifley and Connor were at nine points, along with Mason Appleton, Nito Niederreiter, and the top seven players on the Winnipeg Jets were separated by just one point, eight or nine points each. Fast forward four games later, Kyle Connor has thirteen goals on the season, twenty points in fifteen games, and Mark Shifley. 18 points in 15 games. And uh, don't look now, Josh Morrissey, a lot of people thought that, you know, maybe last year was a blip. I know that his total, um, the over-under for his points on the season was 56 and a half after going over 70 last year. Well, Josh is just one point off a point-a-game pace now after his four-assist performance last night. Um, but maybe the biggest development has just been Cole Perfetti continuing to be incredibly productive every time he's out on the ice. Nikolai Ehlers getting it going with a couple goals last night. And all of a sudden you look at that group that was all at eight or nine points and it's a little more distributed towards the top with the uh, massive week that Connor and Shifley have had. And we can't forget about Alex Iafalo, who's just two points off a point of game pace as well. Yeah, it's kind of uh, incredible us looking at this Jets scoring depth. Uh, it was a couple weeks ago we were like, oh, this Jets top line, or sorry, Jets third line of Niederreiter, Appleton, Lowry, they're actually the top line now, and they were uh, carrying the mail, and we were like, come on, where's the top line, man? Where's Connor Shafley, IFL been? Well, a couple, you know, four emphasis game for IFL, four assist game for Shafley, Kyle Connor rocking to the top of the leaderboard. And then, you know, and now it's like, hey, how about that second line? Uh, Nemestikov, Perfetti, Ehlers. You know, Ehlers, why isn't he scoring? Uh, what's going on here? And, oh, Nikolai Ehlers, Potts, uh, too, yesterday. Uh, how about that forecheck by Nemestikov uh, setting up Morgan Barron for a goal? And Cole Perfetti again and again showing this elite, elite vision. Um, I mean, what's a good way to get Nikolai Ehlers a goal? Oh, just provide him with a wide-open <laughs> net. Just, you know, he's got the puck... Uh, High slot. Everyone thinks, you know, goalie's coming out. Everyone thinks he's going to shoot and just a quick dish. And it was incredible on, you know, that goal and uh, the no-look pass or the, by uh, Shifley, the backhand to Kyle Connor. Oh. I mean, these guys are just beside the net all Like, alone. that's a highlight of the year. That is one of the passes yeah. of the year. I must have watched that thing half a dozen times afterwards. Um, you know, I was sitting in 316. I was in that end, and you saw that play develop, and... I mean, honestly, that's got to be a top five goal of the year by the time we're done 82. I mean, the, the, the vision and the ability to rip that pass from the backhand to Kyle Connor, who, I mean, there, there's finishing and then there's that. Um, an absolute laser rope right to the top corner. I mean, it was just an absolutely beautiful goal. And listen, when you have players that are that good, that are feeling it the way Scheif and Kyle Connor are right now, that's what you get. And um, there was a bunch of highlights last night, but that one really did stand out as, um, you know, it, I think it speaks to just where this team is at right now. 
and the run that that top line is on. They're kind of reestablishing themselves as the uh, the go-to guys when it comes to Jets offense. Yeah, that game almost reminded me of the Nashville game. A bit of a quiet uh, first period, and then the team explodes, and the game kind of explodes good, uh, wide open in the second with a lot of goals, then both games ending with a 6-3 final. Uh, we've talked a lot about the power play, Huss. The Jets power play going two for four. Power Yet, play's back. The pa- yeah, power play's back. They've now got seven power play goals in their last six games after going a number of games without scoring any power play goals. Uh, the penalty kill, went, they did allow two power play goals. They went three for five, and you definitely saw uh, New Jersey, you know, their puck moving, even without Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer. I mean, Timo Meyer uh, in the slot just turning and uh, firing that one uh, past Connor Hellebuck and... A um, couple other notes. I mean, this was fascinating to me. I didn't know. Do you know what the Jets' dominance against the Devils? Seven, <laughs> 17, 2, and 3 now in the last 22 games against the Devils. And the Jets, they seem to lock it down after two. Uh, they get a lead 6-0-1 oh, uh, when leading after two. And when scoring three or more has 8-2-1. So it's the recipe for the Jets. Score. All your goals, score three in the second period, and then lock it down. And uh, I think they're certainly rolling right now. Second, uh, tied for second in the Central Division. And I'm having a lot of flashbacks to last year. The Bombers are in the Grey Cup, and the Jets are on a heater. And we're like, hey, this team's actually good. I don't know. It's remember. Doesn't this feel a lot like uh, last year? It does, but it doesn't. That's like, fair. Like, I, I like, 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 it, like it, it, listen, I mean, I, I think that the start last year was amazing. And I mean, listen, by record, they were better last year than they were through 15 games. I mean, the Jets right now are what, eight, five, and two. Last year, they were 10, four, and one. Um, but I have to admit, I, I have a way greater belief of the sustainability of this right now with the way the team is playing in so many aspects. And, Hey, listen, it it, it it looked great last year. And maybe if you just rewound to, you know, this very time, maybe we were saying a lot of the same things. But I don't think we've ever seen a team that is deep, as deep as this Winnipeg Jets team is, that is getting as balanced scoring, that is getting contributions from everybody up and down the lineup and dominating at five on five the way that they have at times this uh, this year. So... Um, you know, we'll see what happens. It is a long season. There will be some ups. There will be some downs. There'll be stretches where they don't play well. But, you know, in a lot of ways, sometimes you have to learn, like you have to learn from your mistakes and you have to learn from the past. Last year in the second half of the season, the Winnipeg Jets repeated some very concerning trends of previous years. The goal this year will be to have a great start but continue that. And I just feel that this team is made um, to give themselves a much greater chance of getting to contend in the central division and staying there as opposed to what happened last year, where they were thanking their lucky stars. They had the great start because in the second half of the year, they basically weren't playing at a playoff level and, you know, had to had win a bunch of big games late in the season just to avoid a big time collapse. Um, but again, we don't have to worry about the second half of last season right now. Live in the present. And speaking of the present, Friday and Saturday night games coming up at Canada Life Center. The uh, Buffalo Sabres in town Friday night. And then the Arizona Coyotes on Saturday. So uh, some nice weekend games. 
couple days of practice. The team did practice today, Raymond. I guess we should give a quick update. I mean, there is a little bit of breaking news. Uh, the one downer of last night, the NHL's fastest man, Rasmus Kapari, was going a little too fast when he missed a check <laughs> and ended up taking himself taking himself out. It was obvious he had a shoulder issue. Uh, he went to the bench. He did not return. And uh, it sounds like Weaver's just had an update on uh, on Kapari's status. Yeah, that... Uh... That's too bad. And I actually agree with you. I mean, I say it feels like last year is in, you know, where they are in the standings and how we're at the Grey Cup. But, yeah, the, what they're doing on the ice, certainly, especially 5-on-5, five five, more repeatable. And you're really seeing uh, the depth of the offense. And, yes, uh, Scott O'Neill saying today he expects Rasmus Kupari to be out <laughs> four to six weeks with a shoulder issue. I imagine Toninato, what they sent him down for conditioning before, you'd think that he would be the guy back in. They did make a lineup change, uh, healthy scratching David Gustafson <laughs> yesterday and putting in Stan going 11 and 7. And of course, the one game they go 11 and 7, a guy gets <laughs> injured right, right away. In the first period. But it, it seemed to benefit them. Uh, Arneal said after, it was like uh, juniors where you got three lines and, you know, try to get Morgan Barron in there. And, you know, with a couple days off, it seemed like everyone was benefiting from the extra ice time. So. Uh, well, you know what? Well, let's hear. We'll hear from our, our Neil in just a second. We'll also hear from Nikolai Ehlers, who I, I'm sure, like many of you, I was hoping he was going to dish on that empty net to Appleton, uh, but he wisely shot it into the net. But if he was able to rip it over to Appleton, it would have been a Gordy Howe hat trick. And hands up if you had that on your bingo card for last night, Nikolai Ehlers getting in a fight. And I'll say this: I think that what that shows. I mean, when you've got a guy like Nikolai Ehlers dropping the gloves and Scheifele was getting into it afterwards, I mean, this team is engaged. We always hear these cliches, hey, we're in it, we're a team, we're playing for each other. They are really are playing for each other right now. And I think credit goes right to the top with the coaching staff and certainly Captain Adam Lowry. Um, but that was great to see. Thank God nothing bad happened. But uh, – I, I got to give Ehlers a lot of props for uh, the way he stood up for Nemestikov last night after that boarding play and uh, mixing it up a little bit to go along with the two goals that he scored last night. Yeah, I mean, we've seen Nikolai Ehlers uh, drop the gloves before, and you, know, you probably don't want to see him do that all the time, but I, you do like to see the, no hesitation. Nemestikov takes a, a hit <laughs> and... Ehlers is like, hey, I don't care who I have to go up against. I don't care if the guy's bigger than me. You know, remember him fighting against uh, Braden Shen. He's also fought, uh, showed to hockeyfights.com, Tyson Berry, Colton Sissons, Brad Marchand, and Ryan Getzlaff. <laughs> this is Ehlers' fight card. What a, what a dance card Ehlers yeah. has. Yeah. <laughs> what a dance I should check the ratings uh, to see. <laughs> yeah, to, I, listen, I, I don't think the ratings his, will be. Uh, what's his, what's his noted win? NHL pugilist uh, Nikolai Ehlers. Um, yeah. but I guess his family was in town. And he said he wasn't doing that anymore. And then sure enough, in this game, he, he drops yeah. the gloves. Uh, let's get to a few of these clips before Jamie Thomas joins us. Um, Ehlers was a big story last night. Here's Scott O'Neill on uh, what he saw from Nick in addition to the two goals. And, of course, dropping the gloves. That's huge, you know. We talked about him obviously the other day that missed a lot of training camp, and you know it takes time to get your game up to up and running. And now he seems to be going. And tonight he did a great job of you know holding on to pucks. He did a good job of getting the open ice, and obviously the 
jumping in there to stick up for a teammate that goes such a long way we've talked about you know family we've talked about sticking together and for him to do that in that situation against a pretty tough player in Smith you know that's uh, that goes a long way towards his teammates and really recognizing what he was doing yeah, this team has been talking the talk about that. They are walking the walk, and that was a great example of it uh, as well. Josh Morrissey, kind of quietly, you look at the scoreboard at the end of the score sheet, you think, oh, quiet little four-assist night for Morrissey. He was a big part of the success last night. Here's our Neil on uh, J-Mo. You know, Mo's been, you know, he had a last couple of games. Is obviously, offensively, we're, you know, he's still doing all the right things and just hadn't, hadn't got any numbers with it. And, you know, he's a... Uh, He's a guy that gets marked every night by the opposition. I mean, there's a big circle around his name every time we, you know, any team we play. They know that uh, they got to try to cut off his ice whenever they can. And tonight he did a real good job of uh, distri- uh, distributing the puck and, you know, finding the, you know, the open the plays that uh, kind of set up the, the, some of those goals. And, um, you know, he's a big key for us back there, you know, especially when he, you know, he's a big part of that offense. All right. So there's our Neil. And uh, yeah, it was a little bit of a surprise at the beginning of the game or in warm-up that seven defensemen were out there, and then Logan Stanley was in and David Gustafson was out. It was a coach's decision. They wanted to get Stanley in for a game, and they wanted to maybe, you know, get, you know, a few of the the forwards that were really feeling it a few more shifts. Uh, As Remus pointed out, when Rasmus Kapari went out, that, um, well, they were down to 10 forwards, and uh, there was plenty of ice time to go around. Uh, Here was uh, Arnie on uh, managing the short bench with only 10 forwards after Kapari's injury. We don't play until Friday, and I was hoping that we had 11 forwards, uh, but I was going to get, you know, Ehlers more ice. I want to get Perfetti ice. I want to get Casey out there a little bit more, and they all could jump on that fourth line and got to do that a couple times, and then obviously uh, Coop got hurt. Is there a playbook for when that happens? I mean, do you consider throwing a D up front? Like, what are the most important things to keep? It's like junior hockey, uh, back to the old days of three lines. And we're really the, the thing we kept emphasizing is don't get caught out on long shifts because you're going back, you know, whatever, 80 seconds later, you're going to go right back out there, uh, 90 seconds later. So you had to be, you know, make sure that, you know, and it's tough when you do get caught on a long, a long shift. Um, but they knew it. They did a good job with everybody recognized that they were going out every third shift and uh, did the best they could to, you know, try to manage that. Um, you know, for me, it was, you know, it was just the, for a stretcher, it was just making sure that Bear got his ice time, that he was getting out there. All right, so there's Scott O'Neill uh, kind of giving a little bit of the insight from the, uh, the coaching perch last night uh, with only 10 forwards after the Kapari injury. Uh, one more from O'Neill. Um, on the Jets forecheck, which has been uh, excellent. Uh, and in particular, if, folks, if you haven't seen this already, go check out Frankie Corrado on uh, on Twitter. He did a breakdown of the Jets' first goal um, and how Winnipeg um, just brought it to the Devils, creating chances off the turnover and then off the cycle and going with making two line changes while the Devils were on until... Well, the red light went on courtesy of Kyle Connor, but uh, here's just uh, you know Arneil on uh, the positives coming out of the forecheck for Winnipeg. Yeah, you know we talked all week about you know we talked about Dallas, we talked about these guys, these good teams. You got to make them play in their end of the rink, and you know um, if you have a play coming through that neutral zone and you you can make it, make it. But uh, a lot of times this game is about you know putting it below the hash marks and then going to work. And we're a pretty good forechecking team. We we do a good job of staying above people and um, in our contact when first guy's there, second guy gets there quick. And you know, like you said there, there's some real good. Uh, 
uh, rewards from that forecheck, and it's a big part of our game. All right, there's uh, Scott Arneal. Let's, uh, you know, Jamie Thomas is going to join us, but I want to play a couple of clips here from Morrissey and from Nikolai Ehlers. Um, let's go with six, Remo. Uh, Josh talked afterwards about that. His big night tying that franchise record with four assists. Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, there's nights where um make a lot of great plays and nothing happens, and other nights where right place at the right time and um, get rewarded too. So a couple of second assists out there tonight, but that's just... I think sticking with it, and obviously when you put up six and we got the players we got here, then sometimes you get uh, get the benefit of uh, of getting assists. So it was a great great win for us, and obviously nice to get rewarded with some assists there. Um, you know, here's another interesting clip from Morrissey, and it's on the team getting to the front of the net. And I have to admit, you know, we were thinking about the struggles of the power play and how it looked somewhat stagnant, and there wasn't a lot of action in front of the net. Um, I mean, they played that game against the New York Rangers, and we saw what Chris Kreider was doing during the power play. And it seemed like the Jets learned a little bit of that. And in that Vegas game, when they finally broke the drought, um, a big part of it was just going to the blue paint, taking advantage of the numbers, and um, you know, making you know, making things happen in around it. That's continued. And Josh Morrissey talked about the team's penchant now for um, mixing it up in front of the net. I think if, if you're doing the right things, that's when you tend to get rewarded. And I think that, uh, you know, each goal, like I said, you know, is a little bit different. But generally the theme of having someone at the front of the net, it's a tough place to go. But we've seen many great players get rewarded there over their careers. And uh, it's not even so much um, necessarily the resulting goal in front of the net, but just, you know, it holds a defender there. So now there's more room around the rest of the ice for movement and, and opportunities to, to you know, create some switches and stuff like that. But uh, obviously the, the big thing is just getting to the front of the net and winning battles, puck recovery, and um, outworking the opposition and uh, then letting the skill kind of take over from there. All right, so there's uh, Josh Morrissey coming off of his big night. Just before we bring in Jamie Thomas, let's hear from Nikolai Ehlers. And, you know, Ehlers scored two goals, but I think what most people were talking about after the game was him dropping the gloves again. My mom and my sister are in town right now, and... Uh... Earlier today, I told them that my fighting days are probably uh, over with all the injuries I've had. So, um, yeah, that lasted about five hours. <laughs> Did it look like, I mean, it went on for, for quite a while. Um, it looked spirited. And then at the end, did it kind of go on maybe a beat longer than you expected it to? Um, it's not on him. Um, you know, I was kind of holding him, and I thought that, kind of showed that we were done, at least I was. Um, but I didn't say anything to him, and he didn't say anything to me, so I don't blame him, blame him for for giving me another one. So there's Nikolai Ehlers on the, the scrap. And one more clip from Ehlers. Uh, he's not going to get many uh, easier goals than that uh, beauty setup for, from Perfetti. Here's what he uh, saw on that goal. Uh, I saw an empty net that I was trying to hit. Um, you know, when it's not exactly going for you, you're you're sometimes gripping the stick a little too hard. In that moment, I was uh, was maybe gripping it a little too hard. All right, so uh, all smiles in the Jets room after the game last night. Uh, listen, just before we bring in Jamie Thomas, folks, the uh, the November push continues here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, we've got uh, a 
great team of WSTers that are uh, growing stashes and uh, walking their kilometers, helping us raise money for men's health. The link is in the description. If you're listening to the podcast, get on over to Winnipeg Sports Talk if you're able to and drop a donation in on the Movember link. And if you're watching us on YouTube, you can just click that QR code right in front of you and uh, throw down and help us reach our goal for the month of November. We're doing it in conjunction with our friends at Modern Man Barbershops who now have eight locations in Winnipeg. And they've uh, got you covered, fellas, with everything you need, especially after Movember. If you need to get a shave, They'll also do haircuts, beard shaping, color services, and more. Book your look and make an appointment at modernmanbarber.com and give them a follow on Instagram as well. Got a great contest going on right now at Modern Man Barber Shops. Um, we will wait till next summer to take the plunge again with Aquatech, although if you are thinking about a pool project for your home, talk to them now and get going on it. But their focus right now really is on home renovations. A lot of people don't know that home rentals start with Aquatech as well. With thousands of rentals as their foundation, Aquatech can upgrade any space in your home. If you're ready to enhance your kitchen, your bathroom, or even add a man cave to your home, visit aqua-tech.ca to learn more about their whole home renovations, including financing options. It is gorgeous outside right now. Don't take it for granted, everybody, but just know that it is going to be getting cold very soon, and you need to be ready. Of course, Manitoba Battery is there for you to get you ready to make it through the long, hard Winnipeg winter, making sure you're getting from point A to point B and not calling a friend for a ride when your car won't start. Um, what you need to do is get on over to Manitoba Battery. You'll be shopping local and getting the best prices in town, beating the pants off the big box stores. And not only will you get the best price on your battery for your car or truck, but you'll get the best service because Manitoba Battery has free delivery for any purchase over 60 bucks within the perimeter of Winnipeg. It's just that easy. So get on over to manitobabattery.com. You can order online. You can give them a call at 783-8787. Their great staff will be able to help you out by the phone as well. Or if you want to pop in for a free battery test and uh, see them in person, you can always do that down at Manitoba Battery at 1026 Logan Avenue. And uh, just before we bring in JT... A big shout-out to our friends at Canadian Club, the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And I have a feeling there'll be quite a bit of Canadian Club on the menu this weekend in Winnipeg and, heck, in Hamilton as well for Blue Bomber fans as the Bombers get ready to try to win the Grey Cup. Uh, you've enjoyed CC at the stadium all year long. Now it's time to stock up, get ready for Grey Cup and the holidays. Pop down to your local Manitoba Liquor Marts for the full selection of Canadian Club products. And don't forget, when you're in your local beer store, keep your eye out for Canadian Club and Ginger Ale in 473 milliliter cans. Just to change it up, a very popular bomber game drink as well. And of course, this weekend and throughout the holidays and always, please enjoy responsibly. All right, let's get out to the Iceplex and welcome in Jamie Thomas of Winnipeg Jets TV to uh, get the latest on the club coming out of a uh, skills practice today. What's up, Jamie? How are you? Uh, I'm good, man. How are you? Uh, I couldn't be better. I mean, fired up about the hockey team. Cannot yeah. wait to get to the hammer for uh, the big game on the weekend for the Bombers. It's a good time when to be a Winnipeg sports fan uh, after the show tonight. Okay. where are, is, is Radio Row still going at the Grey Cup? I'm trying to remember. Well, uh, I mean, we'll do our best to try to uh, step up and represent. I mean, I think that we know in today's uh, in today's 
Well, first of all, TSN shut all the freaking stations down. So that, yeah, that, yeah. There, there's a start why a lot of places won't be there. But uh, but we will be there. I'm yeah. sort of disappointed I'll be missing those two games on the weekend. It should be real fun with a Friday and Saturday night games. But we'll watch the games yes. from Hamilton, and we'll get ready to see the Bombers hopefully come home with a championship. But, uh, man, it's been fun watching this team last night. Another big win. You're around the team uh, on a daily basis, Jamie. Um, mm -hmm. winning is fun. We all know that. I mean, uh, you know, show me a team that's uh, really enjoying themselves. So I'll show you a team that probably is playing well and getting results. But I'll tell you what, I mean, the way this team has been building game by game, really from the start of the season with that incredible performance in Calgary, where they weren't rewarded with a win. Um, yeah. they're doing the right things. They're seeing the results. And it seems like this team has a lot of momentum going into uh, this next stretch of games. It sure does. And I, I think a lot of credit has to be given to the team and, you know, trying once Gabriel Velarde got hurt back on October 17th, there was a lull there. I think there was obviously some disappointment losing a, a player of his caliber. And then there was that kind of lull of how these lines were going to start working together and could they, and there's, you know, clearly there's a stretch there. Us where one line would go one night, another line the next night, I think last night against the devil's, all three lines because they were down essentially to 10 forwards for most of the night produced offense. And um, the fact that, you know, the Shifley line has been going, the Lowry line clearly has been going, but now you've added the Nemestikov line who is starting to really feel it. And I think a large part of that is Nikolai Ehlers is looking more like himself. So I know clearly losing Rasmus Kapari, uh, who's out for four to six weeks, as told by uh, Scott Arneal today, that's a big loss. Um, I thought, you know, he was, you know, a key part of what they're doing. But the three lines, the top three lines have been going really well. They've been defending well. And Connor Hellebuck is playing the way that we know he can. So it's, uh, it, it was, that was, that was an exciting game. And it's, you know, usually it's tough for when an Eastern Conference team comes to town in terms of uh, entertainment. Um, but it, that was a highly entertaining game last night at Candle Life Center. Well, you know what? It's funny you mentioned Helly, and I mean, like, listen, I still think he's yeah. got another level. I mean, we've seen his totally. his his level, and you know, he we've seen it at times this year, but you know that Helly's mm. going to get into a groove at some point, and when that happens, this team is going to be even more dangerous. And you know, it's funny because there was a point that you sort of pointed out where this team was being carried by Adam Lowry, Mason Appleton, and Nino yes. Niederreiter. Um, yeah. And, you know, as you would want a captain to do, um, a guy leading the way and now everyone else has followed. Uh, you know, we joked that it was a, a, you know about two weeks ago or probably less than we were talking yeah. about the show. and We were looking at the scoring leaders and Mason Appleton's tied for the lead. You know, he had four guys at nine and three guys at eight. Well, uh, Mark Shifley and Kyle Connor have been reminding everybody over the course of the last week and a half. That, Hold uh, on a second. Hold it's, on a second. It's great that everyone else is chipping in. But uh, we're still the guys that are making it happen and turning red lights on. And, I mean, this run that that line is on, is uh, it's been fun to watch. It's a big, big part of why the team's had the results it's had lately. And you wake up this morning, and there's Kyle Connor tied for the league lead in goals and uh, 20 points in 15 games uh, making it happen. I mean, this converse, uh, this connection between Shifley and Connor um, is as good as we've seen it. And I think a big part of it goes to those guys doing the little things and being com more committed in their own end and what that's doing to get the puck more. And when those guys have the puck, they can do a lot of damage. Yeah. 
like generate like generating uh, offense from defense. Uh, yeah, like just oh, sorry, but I didn't mean to cut you off. I got a little bit of a uh, it's the internet here at the old Iceplex. Um, I think you know the get generate offense from defense is basically what the coaching staff wants, and they've been excellent in their own end. And I think. You know, Kyle Connor could have had four goals last night. I, I think of the two posts that he hit. The, you know, he goes across the front of the net, goes to his backhand, and rips one off the crossbar, um, like only Kyle Connor can. Right? That, that, that looks like a scoring chance that doesn't isn't really there. And then he does the backhand and almost be Schmied uh, under the bar with the backhand. So they they've been playing well on their own end. Uh, there have been a lot of getting back, uh, hustling back the defensive end of the ice, which we all know isn't the funnest thing. Anybody's played hockey, not the funnest thing in the world to do is play defense. Uh, especially when you're world-class players like that, but there it has been noticeable this year the effort in the in the defensive end of the ice, and it's working out for them. Alex Iafalo plays a large role in this too, Huss. Right? It's just like the fact that they have he has fit in so seamlessly uh, speaks to what type of player this guy is. And I talked to John Rosen, uh, who covered the Los Angeles Kings for a long time, and he said, you know, when when Alex Iafalo was in Los Angeles and he played with. Um, Andre Kopitar, and of course Ilya Kovalchuk was a king at that time. Kopitar preferred Ayafalo because he knew where Ayafalo was going to go, and that's no knock to, to Kovalchuk. Clearly, a world-class player in his own right, but I think that's what where Shifley and Connor have appreciated Alex Ayafalo because they know where he's going, they know what he's going to do, they know where where he's going to go when he doesn't have the puck, and where he's going to go when he does have the puck. So that he's been a big part of that top line, and it's great to see them going. It, it was fun. When the third line was was stealing all the headlines, but this is Mark Scheifele and Kyle Connor's team and Josh Morrissey's team, and when they're going, this team is much more dangerous. They are the team that we think we know they can be, uh, especially when those three players, those elite players, are going the way they are right now. Well, and you know what I mean. Listen, while we're talking about the top scorers on the team and seeing Scheifele mm-hmm. and seeing Connor, you know, kind of reestablish themselves as the uh, the guys at the top of that list. Yeah, uh, we, we can't omit Josh Morrissey, who, as Scott yes. O'Neill said, had been playing well, maybe hadn't seen his name show up on the score sheet as much. That got rectified in a big way last night. Yeah, it's, he just, I think, I don't want to say we take him for granted because after a year that he had last year, you're like, well, where else can he go? And I, I, I think a night like last night, we saw exactly where it can go. You know, you put up four assists, you look at the score sheet, holy cow, it's four assists night for Josh Morrissey because you're so focused on what, Mark Shifley and Kyle Connor did, and Nikolai Ehlers, of course, with the fight and, and, and the goal or the two goals that he had as well. So there's lots of places where our attention was going. So it's easy to see why we didn't see Josh Morrissey and his four assists until the night was over. But uh, he is as good as it gets right now. He's, you know, Dylan DeMello, you know, they go up against the other team's best forwards on a nightly basis. They log a lot of minutes, even though they went with seven defensemen last night. You got to make sure you get your big minutes there. But when the game's on the line, you're you're looking at Josh Morrissey and Dylan DeMello to lock down the other team uh, when you're up a goal. And certainly when you need offense, you're looking at Josh Morrissey as well. You know, Jamie, it's fun to, uh, you know, talk about the uh, the goals that are being scored right now and the, uh, the yeah. lamp going on. But it really does seem this team is committed to doing the right things in so many other ways. And I, I brought up Frankie Corrado's breakdown of the Jets' first goal. I'm not sure if you've seen that today, but it is definitely yeah. worth a watch on uh, – on how the Winnipeg Jets continued putting pressure on New Jersey uh, mm-hmm. and, and and really owning them on the cycle for a good period of time to the point where they were able to change twice, completely deplete the Jer- Jersey, uh, the, the, the personnel that they had on the ice, yeah. which led to that first goal. And 
you know, in a way, like creating chances off the off the cycle mm-hmm. is the bread and butter of Adam Lowry and his lines game. But the other lines are getting into that as well. And when you add that dynamic to players like Kyle Connor and Mark Shifley and Cole Perfetti and Nikolai Ehlers, good things are going to come. And I mean, all of these things the coaches are preaching, I think, are being reinforced right now with the uh, with the results that the team's getting on the ice and obviously on the score sheet. Yeah, I, 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 look, let's look. I'm going to go way back here and not maybe just to back to last season. The first time Winnipeg played in New Jersey, remember they're up 2-1 going to the third period. And I remember Scott O'Neill saying yesterday, the Jets have to play fast against a team like New Jersey or else you get yourself into trouble. And I remember last year in the third period, the Jets slowed down their game a lot. They went back, retrieved the puck, and New Jersey was right in on top of them forced a couple of errors, then bang, bang, it's 3-2, right? And, then, and the Devils go on to win that hockey game. Well, Jets played fast last year against New Jersey, beat them 6-1 on home ice, and they were all over them. They were the quicker team yesterday. And New Jersey, you saw in stretches. And I know they didn't have Jack Hughes, and they didn't have Nico Heischer, but there's a lot of talent and a lot of, a lot of speed on the Devils lineup. New Jersey looks slow for the first two periods for sure yesterday, and that plays into the cycle and the Jets doing what they wanted to do in the offensive end of the ice and through the neutral zone. So uh, they made New Jersey look slow by forcing them into mistakes and holding on to pucks. Um, it, it, it was a, a real – I know they gave up three goals because New Jersey had a push there, and especially their number one power play scored a couple times last night. But that was that was Winnipeg's game for the majority of the evening, and uh, New Jersey has made some teams look really bad this year. That was not the case last night, and you know Adam Lowry made a point of it today. Yes, they were out the, without their two star players, but you have to take advantage of teams when they're missing their star players, and Winnipeg certainly did that last night. You know, Jamie, it seems like people around the league are starting to take notice. I mean, uh, listen, mm-hmm. if you look at the scoring leaders, you you can't not notice Kyle Connor being right up there with Austin Matthews. We saw yeah. Don Lecician from The Athletic put out his numbers right now for the first time all year, all season. He has the Jets as a 100-point team with a very mm. good chance of making the playoffs. Um, but, but And I think the basis for that is the five-on-five play. And, yes. you know, that if that is the foundation, if the Jets can count on that style, I mean, listen, sometimes you're going to get goalied. Sometimes, you know, if, if that can be what they bring night in and night out, it's the foundation of a really good team. The power play has now, well, we declared it. The power play is fully back. Uh, yeah. And that's a very good th- thing. You know, once Connor Hellebuck raises his level, and I think yeah. that in turn also helps out the PK, um, which has not been up to the Jet standard, certainly by numbers and what they've been in the past. This could be a pretty damn scary team right now for the rest of the Central Division in the uh, the Western Conference. Yeah, I, I think you, and along with anybody else that covers this team, I, I felt from the start of the year they're at least a top three team in the Central. And a lot of that is to do with the, the teams below them, the Chicago's, the Nationals who are rebuilding. St. Louis, you're not sure what they are, but they're, they're a top three team. But there's, there's a lot more. I think that they learned a valuable lesson against Dallas, the two games against Vegas, that you know you can't force your game, force things. Because veteran teams like Dallas and Vegas will make you pay, and we saw that those those three those three games they played against those respective teams. Well, last night they knew what New Jersey was, and they played their game. Connor Hellbuck, as you mentioned, he's he was great in the third period when New Jersey had a push. Let's let, let's be clear about that. You know, he ended up making thirty something saves on a, on a good night for him. But he was solid when they needed when New Jersey had their push. That allowed Winnipeg to get their legs under them and get going again. But 
Beautiful. Hey, uh, listen. Yeah, Mike, those games were that, that those couple of where you know gets a shout out. Right on. Um, hey, just uh, quickly, I got to give a shout out to uh, Kabilis and Bridget and Leslie Mitchnuck, who have uh, all made a nice little donation to our uh, Movember uh, Movember team. Thank you very much. And Remus, what were you saying about Pringles? So uh, as I bring wait for Jamie Thomas. So Pringles is uh, giving a little extra for each donation. So if you donate fifty dollars, Pringles, yes, Pringles, the chips, will put put a little sprinkle on top of that. So one of those we got a nice fifty dollar donation from Leslie, and Pringles gave an extra twenty five. So here, check it out on our page. Uh, nice. Shout out to Pringles, Hess. <laughs> there we go, Mister Pringle. So, Dropping uh, in 25 to the WST team, right on. So uh, the link's in the description, winnipegsportstalk.com, November link at the top, and it's pinned in chat. Uh, so it's all, all in there. So thank you, everyone, for your uh, your support. This is pretty cool. Jamie, speaking of uh, speaking of November, <clears throat> Kyle, Cotter, Kyle Connor is sporting one of the filthiest dusters I've ever seen right now, but he might have to keep that beyond the month considering the way he's going right now. Dash, I appreciate everyone that does just that. So uh, I'm waiting for Dylan DeMello to enter into the fray right here. Uh, Adam Lowry's looking real good, but to your point, uh, if he keeps scoring the way he is right now, then you re- realistically have to start. You have to keep that duster. I mean, it's it's so good. And with the flow behind him, he looks really good. And I, I think Nikolai Ehlers needs to try growing a mustache because I'd like to see the Danish. I'd like to see him fly <laughs> with a mustache, especially with the way he's been dropping the gloves um, uh, you know, the way he did yesterday and, and held in there with Brendan Smith, who outweighs him by like 25 pounds, I think, at that point. So uh, mustaches, hard to do, but when you can pull them off, you got to keep going with it. Yeah, you know, here's a content idea for you guys. Take a picture of Connor, uh, you know, with the hair and the mustache and just, but what does this guy do for a living? I can't, <laughs> I can't imagine what the, what the, what the submissions would be. Um, but hey, if it ain't broke, he, don't fix not, it. Did you see when I went to Nashville and, and threw the uh, Kyle Connor photo up? Did you see that one? <laughs> I love I love those Nashville bits. The the well, the girl that said he's a bull rider and his name is Glenn with two ends is still <laughs> the best answer from a street. I hate like buddy, you knew this, you did this business. I hate streeters. Like the streeters is the worst gig in your life. As anybody in sports, when you go out and ask people, they think of trades. And I, and I love fans. I respect your guys' opinions, but it is one of the worst jobs to do. So for, for those people in Nashville to deliver the way they did, I mean, clearly the guy asking questions led them perfectly down the path. But uh, <laughs> it's, it's that, that, like, that's, that's as good as it gets. And, and to full respect to, I think it was the Tennessee Titans, who did that when they released their schedule to give us that idea. So yeah, that's what they, we do in the content business. We steal other people's ideas. I love, I love streeters for, for, I, I don't know, maybe I like mixing it up with the fans uh, more than <laughs> some of you well, long time, big J media people. people. But uh, uh, I, I'm in for it. Yeah. KFC is a drywaller in his spare time. I mean, Joe dirt, like all of these things. I mean, it's just, um, but as they say, he is, uh, he's on fire right now. That line is on yeah. fire and the team, uh, and it was really interesting to see the way the team played down to 10 forwards. And, you know, I'll give Arneal a lot of credit. You know, if you were looking for a spot to maybe try that out, you know, what chance with a couple days off before two games on the weekend was yeah. a nice spot to do it. And listen, Logan Stanley got in and, you know, he was able to, 
um, you know, get a few shifts in. I'm sure that was nice for him after spending the amount of time that he's been uh, in the box. And, of course, Declan Chisholm getting some time with the Moose on a conditioning stint right now. Um, but the focus in on the forwards, now, you know, we're still awaiting Gabriel Velarde. He's skating. I imagine he's still a little ways away. Um, so they will have to add somebody to the mix right now. And that's that's yeah. going to be an interesting decision right now. I mean, obviously, Dominic Toninato was up with the club earlier. Um, you know, if you're looking for a guy, I mean, I think if you're replacing Kapari in the lineup, you're looking for someone that can contribute on the penalty kill. Uh, our old pal Face Axel, off. I think, would be right up, uh, you know, there. I mean, I would assume that Dus that uh, Gus will be playing center on that line, along with Morgan mm -hmm. Barron. Um, but I mean, uh, Axel, Axel, uh, Toninato potentially into the lineup. Um, yeah. and even maybe a Jeff Malott. I mean, I, I'm a big Malott fan. Um, and certainly he's got a bit of a connection with Morgan Barron. It would be a nice opportunity for him. But uh, did the coach say anything on a potential call-up and uh, when they anticipate that happening with the Moose just about to head out on the road? Yeah, and then the, the timing is almost perfect that they have to make this decision. They, uh, Scott O'Neill had said today in his media availability, the, the decision's being made. Um, clearly they, have to do, they do have to add a forward um, before the moose depart on the road. So I, I think, you know, where it makes the most sense, I would, you know, clearly we would all love to see what Jeff Malott has, but I think you, you, you have a guy like Dominic Toninato is good in the face-off circle you're going to have to have there. And I also appreciate that you're going to have to have a penalty killer. So Axel Janssen, if you all be, makes the, the most sense. So th those two players, one of those two players, I think would probably be your best bet of who's coming up. But those decisions are being made uh, right now as we speak. As for Gabriel Velarde, uh, the team kind of had a skills uh, skate today, so it was forwards for 30 minutes, defenseman for 30 minutes with skills coach Dave Cameron. Um, and Gabe Velarde was out with the Jets, but was on the perimeter. He was, you know, he's in the no contact yellow jersey and socks on the perimeter for the majority of the drills. You don't want him to get hit or bumped into by anybody at this point. Now, the plan is or the hope is that he will take part of practice when the Jets go on the road and, and, and they have a practice in Tampa Bay, I believe, on Tuesday next week. Um, clearly still be wearing the yellow non-contact jersey, but the, the hope is that he'll start taking part of practices more regularly uh, on the road trip coming up. <laughs> and, and, and I mean, this is another topic that we've been discussing this week. And man, a good problem to have. Where does Velarde go when he comes back into the yeah. lineup? I, I mean, listen, uh, Alex Iafalo, um, and listen, this is credit to Mark and Kyle for the way they played. I mean, I mean uh, they had, got off to the great start playing with Velarde. It took yeah. a little time after his injury for them to really start clicking with Alex Iafalo. But I think we've seen, like, he's a perfect complement to those guys because of all the little things that he does, how defensively responsible mm -hmm. he is. And, 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 Jamie, beyond everything, just the fact that this guy is a monster when it comes to winning puck battles. And if you can have yeah. a guy playing with those players that is going to win more than his fair share of puck battles, keeping the puck on the their puck stick on their and stick. getting it to 55 and 81, pretty hard to break up. Um, and then you look at the second line right now, and I mean, can't say enough about Vlad Nemetsnikov, what he's doing. Yeah. Um, because he has, in a lot of ways, been a catalyst for Cole Perfetti to take off. And now Ehlers rounding into form. You got nothing to worry about on that third line that keeps on doing what they're doing each and every night. I mean, there'll be some pretty significant decisions to be making, um, but all from positions of strength for Scott Arneal presuming that he's still, uh, you know, calling the shots as the interim head coach when Gabe Velarde is ready to be activated and return to the lineup. Yeah, if you honestly sit there, Huss, and take your pencil out and write the lines, you're like, okay, I'll put this guy here. And I'm like, oh, what? wait, this line's going, so how does that work? You give yourself a headache. 
Um, clearly, Gabe Velarde is going to take some time to get back into the lineup, but you're, you honestly have to ask yourself how this works out. And you, you touched on it very well. Automatically, you're going, okay, well, Nemestikov going back to the fourth line is where he started almost makes sense. But how do you do that when he's, as you said, been the guy that got Ehlers going, that was, you know, he's such a patient guy with the puck and he's defensively responsible to allow Cole Perfetti and Nikolai Ehlers doing, to do what they're doing. But yeah, it, it's a legit, not a concern, but it's a, it gives you headaches thinking about what that has to be and how that looks up. But I, I see Marat's about to join the show. So I'm going to sit on the fence about where that goes. And I'm going to ask, you can ask Marat about what he thinks the line should look like <laughs> in his that. next article. Which is a great website. I would highly suggest you subscribe to it. Um, it's been worth every penny uh, that I've spent in my lifetime. I'm sure I built True North for it, but I'm really glad. And I expect an athletic speak. Yeah. You got <laughs> my testimonial in the italics and, and bold font. That's how impressed I am with the athletic as a subscriber to it right now. And I want my toque, just like Marat's wearing right now, with athletic, the big A on the front of it. We're saying that. Thank you. Um, hey, Jamie, I do want to ask you one more thing, though, before we go. Um, <laughs> listen, we've talked, uh, we've spent a lot of, there's lots of ink has been spilled about Mark Shifley. Yeah. Um, you've been around him and this team for the last number of years. We all knew what the expectations were in the offseason, how things took a turn. And then obviously mm-hmm. the Thanksgiving bomb drop with the, uh, with the matching extensions. He has been... I mean, as engaged as I think we can remember him being for a long, long time, buying in and mm-hmm. doing way more of the things that are now turning into, we kind of talked about the defense from offense, but yeah. man, he's playing with a uh, with, with their, a, an engagement level um, and a physicality that maybe yeah. wasn't there before. That hit last night was as solid, solid. As, as solid as we've seen in a long time. And obviously not afraid to mix it up as well. Just thoughts on Shifley, his first 15 games of the season, and uh, how important that has been to uh, many different aspects of the Jets' success. Yeah, I, I, we can, I mean, we've, clearly we don't understand what it's like to be a professional hockey player and not knowing what your future looks like, and especially when you go into the last year of your deal and maybe the distraction that it provides. But for him to commit to being here and say out loud that, you know, part of his legacy was wanting to play with one team's entire career, I think he meant it. He clearly did. And, um, you know, the physical, the physical part of it, I recall, I think it was in the third period, they turned the puck over and there was an odd man rush. They hustled, everyone hustled back, including Mark Shifley. So I agree with you that that defensive commitment is there. And, and it said a little bit earlier with you, uh, it, it's noticeable. And uh, he, he has been tremendous. Sorry about that. Um, I'm getting he's been two. tremendous for the majority of the season. You getting it too? Yeah. So uh, an emergency broadcast coming up on our phone. So I'm glad I'm not the only one. My internet is cut out. It's just here a test in the hockey for all center. <laughs> it's just thank you, thank you, Remus. It's just a test. Well, um, listen, the rest that, of the, he, maybe he, the, Tim, the rest of the NHL is getting an emergency alert about this hockey team yeah. right now. The uh, yeah. hey, wake up, Kyle Connor's leading the league. Hey, make sure you uh, play Adam Lowry's sound when you get it a little bit later today. Has a great quote about uh, Mark Shifley and uh, Nikolai Ehlers' physicality last night. So uh, hopefully you get that sound soon from WinnipegJets.com. We will definitely check that out a little later on. JT, great talking to you as always. Uh, enjoy the next couple days and uh, good luck to the squad on Friday and Saturday. All right, guys. Have a good day. Appreciate it. All right, there's Jamie Thomas. Hey, big shout out to one of our favorites, Mary Jane. 
who just made a November donation. Thank you very much, Mary Jane. We greatly appreciate it. Um, all right, gang. Uh, listen, we're going to bring Murat on. But as we mentioned earlier in the week, we are good to go right now for our uh, our big Men's Health Month contest with our friends at Vita Health. Of course, if you're looking for great prices on natural organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, get on down to one of six Vita Health Fresh uh, Market stores or online at myvita.ca. Uh, one of the things that you can check out right now, and guys, this is definitely the time to do it, is Prairie Naturals, Canada's number one line of men's health, health supplements formulated to help the changing needs of a man's body, helping address the challenges with prostate health, andropause, low libido, low testosterone, stress, male energy, and performance. They're on sale all month at Vita Health, and we uh, we have got this beautiful autographed Trevor Linden jersey by the spokesperson for it. Full certificate of authenticity. It is an absolutely gorgeous jersey, and we're running the contest right now which will also include for our winner the full run of Prairie Natural supplements. Now, we were planning on doing this on Instagram and our website, but something's up with Insta where I'm not sure whether they're trying to uh, you know, move away from these sort of contests where people tag people and, and follow. So we'll direct you to the website. Go to winnipegsportstalk.com slash contest and uh, enter there. We'll be picking a name every day throughout the month and all of the qualifiers will be in a special marble race on November 30th, last day of the month, uh, last day of men's health month. And the winner will get this beautiful Jersey autographed by Trevor Linden and the full line of Prairie uh, Naturals supplements. Now we do have the, uh, we've got some qualifiers to announce right now. Congratulations to Spency. Way to go, Spency. We'll see you on November 30th. Riley Smith. What's up, Riley? Well done. Thank you for entering. And David Zirk. So uh, those, uh, just we got on it a little late just because of the issues with the site. So those are our three qualifiers for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Go to winnipegsportstalk.com. Enter. We'll announce a name per day going into the 30th. Maybe do a couple extras on a couple days. Um, and then have a fun way to kick off uh, the uh, to finish up Men's Health Month. And again, a big thanks to Vita Health and Prairie Naturals for this awesome prize. Pop down and uh, find Prairie Naturals at your local Vita Health. Um, big shout out to our friends at Wallace and Wallace. As you know that they're the fencing experts in Winnipeg. They've been doing it since 1946. You've seen the fences and trucks all over the city. Uh, but they're also the overhead door experts in Winnipeg. And listen, that overhead garage door had lots of ups and downs through the summer and fall. But it's about to work a whole lot harder because winter puts much more stress on a garage door. The right time to prevent downtime this winter is now. Call Wallace & Wallace to book your inspection and maintenance service call today for residential and commercial overhead door sales and service. There's only one name or two you need to know. And that is Wallace and Wallace. And hey, with the holidays right around the corner, guys, uh, how's the closet looking? Uh, if you need to up your menswear game, you might need to get down ASAP to F Apparel. Of course, F Apparel has custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. Would be a great Christmas gift as well. 
for the man in your family that maybe uh, needs a little bit of an upgrade in their menswear department. Uh, and you can get gift cards right now for the holiday season there. And don't forget, 15% discount for wedding parties when you get your suits at F Apparel. Pop down and see them, 190 Smith Street downtown. You can make an appointment or check them out online at F. That's EPHapparel.com. All right, let's get Marana Tesh in here. Talk a little more Jets before Joe Piscucci talks Grey Cup and Bombers with us later on. Marat, what's going on? Great to have you back on the program. Hey, great to be back. What a time to be a, a sports fan in Winnipeg. Dude, what a time to be doing this. I mean, I just get so fired up for the show. I mean, uh, I, I, I listen, the Winnipeg Jets are legitimately firing up their fan base. And, I mean, the Bombers to be on the verge of a, a true dynasty. Uh, it is a uh, it, it is a lot of fun right now. And, um you know, we always talk about, you know, we've been talking about the good vibes of the hockey team that have sort of permeated through training camp into the regular season. You add in what's happening with the with the football team. And, oh, by the way, it's freaking gorgeous outside, too. So, uh, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of people feeling pretty good. A bit of a jump in Winnipegger's steps right now, thanks to their hockey and football teams and uh, Mother Nature for now. Yeah, no doubt. I'm at, I wasn't at hockey for all today. I'm sort of just making sure, kicking off or trying to finish off a cold. But I took a short walk in the sunshine. I got to tell you, I mean, the sunshine is is exactly emblematic, I think, of, of Winnipeg sports feelings and vibes right now. That 6-3 win over New Jersey, I mean, yes, you're missing Jack Hughes. That's an enormous piece. Nico Heischer as well. Uh, that's that's an enormous pair of pieces, but uh, to double up on a team that's that good and plays that quality of hockey is coached so well. Um, I think that it's a it's a real feather in the Jets' cap right now. They've got a lot of what I want to call green flags, a lot of little underlying signs of a quality hockey team. Um, their foibles are obvious in the PK, for example, goaltending stats. PK relates to that. Um, there are some things that they can work on, but I think that uh, it's almost even to look at those and, and to be able to isolate what they are uh, and look at an 8-5-2 and two record is another little cause of sunshine right now because it looks manageable for Winnipeg. Well, I, I, I'm with you, and I kind of mentioned this to, 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 to JT. I mean, the Jets at 5-on-5 five five have been awesome all season long, and if that is your foundation, the power play is back as we've seen. I mean, they're looking great right now. I mean, I, I maintain that Connor Hellebuck has another level, maybe two, that we've seen before that we fully expect him to get to. And I think that, in addition to, you know, a little more success on the PK, uh, I mean, you could you could make an argument that the Jets are covering off the most important bases right now. Some other things come around. They can be a big-time problem in the West. Yeah, they're exactly those pieces shy of being a wagon right now. Um, and that's that's uh, something. It's a phrase that I didn't expect to be saying midsummer. Let's say you know I didn't expect to be referring to the Jets as a potential wagon. And yeah, you you want to put uh, you do want to see better results from Connor Hellebuck. You go back in the four seasons before this one, four seasons in a row from 2019-20 to the end of the last year, nobody in the NHL had saved more cumulative goals saved above expectation according to Evolving Hockey's model, than Connor Hellebuck had. The guy played a lot of games, played a lot of minutes, had a lot of high-quality chances to try to stop, so that contributes to, to opportunity as well. 
but he was just stealing goals to use his own his own phrasing he says he loves to steal goals and that's what he's been known for and you know all of the metrics all of the data all of the eyeballs say for four straight years he's been an absolute wizard when it comes to that theft uh i don't think that we've seen that kind of wizardry quite yet if you go into the numbers you can isolate it a little bit his five on five save percentage it's above average actually it's it's not elite it's not connor hellebuck being the best goaltender in the nhl that's obviously not the case but it's above average so it's not falling off necessarily but that PK and the seams it gives up and, you know, Hellebuck not just flat out stealing impossible goals, um, that's uh, that's kind of led to, to a drop off in those numbers. And I think that when, you know, obviously I have a numbers influence in how I see things. One of the things that we know is over the long haul percentages like shooting percentage, save percentage, they tend to regress or re- return to what the average was, what the established average of this person is. And his established average is great. And I have no reason to believe that he's fallen off of some cliff at this point of his career. So that's a that's a big cause for optimism because you'd like to think by midseason, you know, he's putting together an entirely different run of performances and results. You know, I, I mean, listen, while we're gushing about the team and talking about all the good things, let's quickly talk about what could be improved, and that is the PK. I mean, when you watch the tape and and look back at these first 15 games. Is there something that they're not doing this year that they did very well last year? Or uh, is this a combination of, you know, a little bit of puck luck, a few pucks going in that didn't go before, but, you know, for more or less, we expect it to return because it's much of the same personnel and guys that are doing so well in just about every other aspect of their games. Yeah, you know, it's an interesting one. We're 15 games in. And we like to think about 20 games in as a responsible sample size when it comes to five-on-five play. But there's so much more five-on-five play than PK play. So we're really dealing with a small sample in terms of trying to say anything absolutely definitive about whether they can bring it around or not or whether it's been puck luck. But the advantage of that is it's a small enough sample where you can dig through some of the video and it's it's a few enough number of minutes where you can actually watch it and remember it and, and make sense of it. Um, so, so that kind of contributes to the ability to pick it apart right now. Um, the, the first thing that I would say is that, I mean, this is Scott Arneal's area of expertise. It's why he was brought onto the club. Uh, it's what led to the seventh overall finish last year. So it's a little bit confusing and, uh, it's confusing that the Jets would be so low in, in the PK standings right now. And it's also kind of confusing that they would look so poor in key moments. Um, They are getting seamed. They are um, letting passes into that slot. They are second or third to rebounds and and posts and any puck that's being contested in the middle of the ice. And by the end of last season, you didn't see that from them. Uh, So it's, it's a little bit perplexing. I do. I do want to do one piece of myth busting um, whenever the Jets PK gives up a goal, you, you see it go around social media. They're so passive. They're so passive. Nobody should be that passive anymore. So many of the league's elite penalty kills are just as passive as Winnipeg's is. Um, it's part of the systemic design. Winnipeg refers to its system as man and a half, where uh, each player has a, a one primary responsibility and then another player or lane that's sort of their secondary responsibility. I was able to talk to Mason Alberton a little bit about that last week. 
um, their their passivity isn't necessarily the problem. It's what happens when the puck gets moved around that PK zone, and as they make their rotations and as everybody adjusts to what their new what their new responsibility is, you're seeing the Jets get seamed because either their bodies end up in the wrong spot or their sticks aren't covering the right lanes. And um, I think the thing that I'm seeing is that even if they play a consistent, like a they win a draw, get a clear, they're doing good things that way. Even if they're blocking shots, even if they spend 90 seconds defending the way that they are, it seems almost inevitable at this stage that at some point there's going to be a pass into the middle of the ice or a shot from the middle of the ice that they're not able to defend. And I think that that's, that's the problem. I mean, fix it. I don't know how to say a word that, that fixes it, but I think it's a huge part of why all of a sudden they have grade A chances against them and, and why those goals are going in as well. Well, it's certainly an area that, um, you know, that they uh, they can improve. And, uh, I mean, you've got you know a real interesting piece up at The Athletic right now that will direct people over to, uh, to check out, uh, that it talks about the solid start and five areas that they can improve. And certainly the PK, and it's so entwined with goaltending, um, but both of those are areas that there still is room to grow. As I'm kind of coming back to the foundation, though, of way this the way this team is playing at five on five and their ability um, to turn things around quickly in transition, create offense from it, and it started off, I think, with the Adam Lowry line really leading by example and dominating the offensive zone and creating legitimate chances off the cycle. We're now seeing. The Perfetti line do that. The Shifley line do that more. And obviously the results are, are are what they are right now. And I know you tweeted about this earlier, and I watched it a couple times. Frank Corrado's breakdown of the Jets' first goal, a perfect example of that where the Jets are putting the pressure on, not allowing their opponents, um, you know, the time and space to regroup, move the puck out to the point where they're – changing lines twice during a period of time, not letting the other team get off. And the next thing you know, it's uh, it's in. What did you think about that breakdown a little bit? And what does that tell you about the style that the Winnipeg Jets are playing and the benefits of it? Well, I love that breakdown. Frank Corrado looked at, if you're on Twitter, if you like look that, look that clip up, you got a former pro player talking to you about exactly what leads into the goal. And I think that, one of the things that I obsess about as a concept in hockey is that hockey is connected. What happens on a play where a puck goes into the net, there are things that happened before that play, off camera, away from the puck, that contribute to that moment that makes the highlight reel that everybody sees. And I think Frank Corrado does just an amazing job in that piece or in, in that video uh, of showing all the things that led to it. Because you watch Kyle Connor's goal. There's, you know, you can watch the goal itself and appreciate so many things about it. Watch him hustle to get to his own rebound. That's a nice Kyle Connor play. Um, in the moment, you can watch the way that he curls kind of out of the corner and he is deliberately exploiting space. All five New Jersey Devils defenders' backs are turned to him. They can't see him there. Josh Morrissey sees him there. The pass gets made. Connor gets his shot. He hustles. He gets his rebound. He scores. Okay. Well, he talked to Josh Morrissey about it last night. I asked him about it. And he's like, yeah, um, it was a great cut by him. He, he was a, in a position where people didn't see him, and we had them a little bit tired. Well, why did they have them a little bit tired? And it's because of Frank Corrado's video. What he explains in that 
is that you had a long grinding shift from Adam Lowry's line that prevented a change. And before that, you had good decisions by the Nemestikov line that kept the puck in dangerous areas that didn't let that one New Jersey Devils line get a change. So Winnipeg had three lines playing against one. And by the end of it, of course, Kyle Connor, with the skill that he has, was able to find soft ice. And of course, he was able to create a dangerous chance for himself. And I think that's one of the most fascinating things about hockey is that stuff that happens two shifts ago can influence what's happening right now if you look for it through that lens like Corrado offers. Um, so I love that clip. And I, and I think it illustrates something that's going well, not just on that one play for Winnipeg right now, but when all four, I'll say, even though they didn't have four lines last night, when all four lines are quality, everybody's leaving that next group in a slightly better position than they would have last season or two seasons ago. And I think you're seeing sort of a rising tide float all boats type of situation with Winnipeg right now. Murat, you know, the uh, the first couple of weeks, uh, we couldn't not talk about the Adam Lowry line. Um, now, of course, we're spending a lot of time talking about Kyle Connor and Mark Shifley exploding along with Alex Iafallo. Um, But in the midst of all of this, Cole Perfetti is putting together um, consistent performances where he is making a difference in a very, very positive fashion. And I also mentioned that the power play is back. Uh, it looks like Nikolai Ehlers is back as well. Thoughts on both of those players, where they're at right now, and uh, what the ceiling might be for that line as we move forward. They're kind of like the swing vote. You you know that you're going to get a certain level of quality and offense from Connor and Shifley right now, an incredible amount of offense, and that Lowry, Niederreiter, Appleton line has been phenomenal. If you can get one more line going, Winnipeg, like I say, I keep saying wagon. I don't know where that, I don't know what that means, but it just feels right. Um, they are a wagon if they have that line going too. And with Cole Perfetti, you sort of always knew if he could get a stretch of games together, you know, stay healthy. Obviously, he's got 15 games in a row to start this season. He was going to get himself into enough situations where his hockey IQ would take over. You give Cole Perfetti a couple of looks at the same context on the ice, he will pick it apart. Nikolai Ehlers, when he scored that goal into an empty net with Akira Schmid supposedly in the net but moved out of it by Perfetti's pass, um, he said that that's actually the second time they've pulled off that play this season. That's a case of high hockey IQ taking advantage of a, of a scenario like that. And that's a nice, nice to get Ehlers scoring as well. Um, but... My question about Perfetti was always going to be heading into this season, was he going to end up in the offensive zone and get those looks often enough for that processor of his to take over and start making things look so dangerous? And with Ehlers and Nemesnikov, they found it. And even before Ehlers' goal there on Perfetti's pass, Ehlers made a really desperate play behind the goal line to help win a puck. Nemesnikov won a battle as well. And that's the sort of thing that keeps a guy like Perfetti in those types of situations where if you give him enough of them, he'll become dangerous. So that's an inspiring moment, I think, if you're looking to project jet success. And, of course, the other one is Nikolai Ehlers is historically a great five-on-five player. He's only been that in flashes this season, uh, and he's been coming on of late. I don't want to anoint him arrived, but believe me, um, like to see him smile and laugh and get a kick out of his fight and joke and all those things. 
uh, to see the quality of play that he had last night, maybe only one two-on-one you wished he would have shot on. Um, the decisions are there. The speed is there. The goals are there. If he takes off, well, then watch out for the win. Well, I mean, you mentioned that. I mean, at times he really has struggled so far this year in the uh, in the piece. And, uh, I mean, it's accurate. But I think over the last two weeks, we've seen more of the good dealers than uh, the one that was struggling. And Scott Arneal said that he thought maybe his best game of the season was that game against the Dallas Stars on Saturday. You follow that up with another performance the way uh, he and his line had last night, being involved in so many different ways, scoring a couple. We all talked about the drop in the gloves uh, earlier today. I mean, it's a very, very good sign for the Winnipeg Jets. Now, the biggest question coming up in the next probably seven to ten days um, is where does Gabriel Velarde go when he comes back? Um, like, I, when he first went out, I assumed that he'd probably go back to his spot. But when you look at how what a great compliment Alex Iafallo is to Shifley and Connor and the way they're going right now, all of a sudden Scott Arneal has plenty of options when it comes to Gabriel Velarde. Yeah. What are a few of those options in your mind and what makes the most sense? Yeah. I mean, unfortunately Rasmus Kupari is hurt. So the question of who comes out is no longer a question. Um, so I'll, I'll get that one out of the way. I'm just clearing, clearing the, the easy, uh, the easy parts out because this is a tough question that the jets are facing. I think I operate by one, one rule right now. And that's that the Niederreiter-Lowry-Appleton rule cannot be messed with. Um, that has been dominant since Niederreiter's arrival at the trade deadline last year. Dominant again this year. And, and again, I talked to Mason Appleton kind of at length about it last, uh, last week. And he was saying it was actually a piece of regret for him that they got broken up due to injuries in the playoffs last year. He sort of had a what-could-we-have-accomplished kind of vibe to him had they been able to stay together. So that's one that uh, that I'd want to keep. And yes, there's good enough players on the Jets that you could rearrange it and you could change that line and the Jets could still have success. But they're so good, I, I don't have time to mess, that, mess with that one. So then the question becomes, where in the top six does Gabriel Velarde play? He's not going to get the Mathieu Perrault treatment. He's not going to end up on the, on the fourth line to, to ease him back in or anything like that. So is he going to play right wing? Well, if he does that, then does that mean Alex Iafalo pops out? Uh, does that mean the second line gets changed? With Iafalo, I think he's been doing a tremendous job of, of things that help Connor and Shifley have the puck. And credit to those guys for their defensive efforts as well so far this season. But nobody is a better forechecker in terms of the lines he takes than Alex Iafalo is. The guy's a good backchecker too. He's knocking down pucks. He did it multiple times against New Jersey last Great night. Great stick. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's the sort of stuff that um, that you appreciate. It's just the, the little things that help good things happen. And I talked about how hockey is indirectly connected. Well, I follow does stuff that helps people. And Velarde, I think, comes with a pretty positive reputation in that regard, too, to be clear. Uh, so you could make that swap and, and see. Um, but I wonder what, what kind of um runway Velarde is going to need to to pop into to being his maximum effective self right now so I wonder about that second line as an ideal landing spot for him but Perfetti, Ehlers and and Nemesnikov are having such success there who do you bump it doesn't feel fair to Nemesnikov to to bump him out of a place where he's had a lot of success but I could see Perfetti centering Ehlers on the left and Velarde on the right 
Um, I could see Velarde in the middle of that line with Perfetti and Ehlers as well, with, again, Nemestikov bumping down. Um, and maybe maybe I'm leaning that way because Nemestikov made such a great forecheck to set up Morgan Barron for his goal last night. I'm just inventing chemistry. It was just a good play and a good finish. Uh, and maybe it's easier to imagine that. So that's... Well, those guys almost had that same play shorthanded against Dallas on, on Saturday. And if that, so, if that had gone in, that would have blown the roof off that place. I mean, probably changes the game as well if it went in. But, I mean, they are generating things together. I don't think you're wrong. Yeah, I mean, 100%. So maybe that's where I land. Maybe that's a pair that you keep and you say, sorry, Vlad, here you are again on the fourth line, but uh, but you're good everywhere, so this is fine. Uh, and then you, you work Velarde up into that second line spot. Well, you know, if he's going on the uh, the, uh, I mean, because we knew that he had the possibility of playing center, and they decided to try him there, and part of it was Cole, you know, getting the opportunity to play center. That didn't last very long, and since he has moved to the wing and Nemetsnikov's been in the middle, he has really, really taken off. Um, I, I'm sure at some point they try Cole back in the middle, but it doesn't seem like they're in a big rush to do that. Um, so maybe it is Velarde that goes in at center at the expense of Nemetsnikov, uh, but not at all because of anything that he hasn't been doing, though, while he's been in the spot. Yeah, it reminds me of a few years ago when uh, there was all these lineup configurations and it was just like different versions of good. And that's, uh, that's a fun problem to deal with just in a logic problem sort of way. Perfetti's a, an underrated player on the boards and at the blue lines, making sure pucks get in the right hands and uh, and getting into the right zones as well. I think part of the reason he's underrated is because he's taken so many heavy hits. Like you, you see him on the wall there and you, you, there's a sense of concern as well. But I think he's had enough success in those situations to to rate him as a, as an effective winger in, in, in all three zones. Um, and maybe... You know, I, I made the argument earlier that the more offensive looks he gets, the more that hockey IQ is going to take over and create dangerous plays for people. Maybe that um, keeping Velarde in the middle, trying to make Perfetti's life easy, if they believe that's going to keep the puck in the offensive zone more, maybe as a center, um, maybe as a center, Velarde has more of efficacy at that. I'm not sure, but it's an easy argument to make, whether it pans out exactly that way or not. Murata Tesh is with us uh, here from The Athletic on Winnipeg Sports Talk, breaking down the uh, first 15 games of the Winnipeg Jets, looking ahead to a big weekend with Friday and Saturday night games against the Buffalo Sabres and Arizona Coyotes at Canada Life Center. Um, I did want to quickly ask you about the blue line, though. Um, I think I said to you on our on our last visit that I thought that Neil Pionk um, – you know, with that Arizona game, and this was right during the aftermath of the of the Johnson tragedy, played with such a purpose. Um, and, and he spoke about it afterwards that maybe sometimes when you're dealing with this, you're not thinking and you're just going out and playing. Follow that up with some other strong games. Um, thoughts on where Pionk's at right now and the blue line overall, which we sort of thought has been the one area that the Winnipeg Jets could really improve in. Um Certainly the results lately would indicate that maybe things are coming around for the guys on the blue line as well. What do you think? Yeah, the results are good. The results are good. I mean, top pair outscoring its opposition. Pionk and Dylan outscoring their opposition. The rest doing just fine. I think it's a one one with Sandberg and Schmidt on the ice. I'm not sure if I've got that exactly right. Um, but uh the those that top four has had a lot of success. And 
That's happened in the past too. Pionk's struggles in the last couple of seasons have sort of, okay, well, you could see the analytical case where actually, no, there's a lot of chaos there. And certainly he hasn't moved that well in previous, in the last couple of years. And I kept making the argument, like, maybe, maybe he has more mobility in him. I think he's moving great. I think this has been a solid start to the season for him. I think that without, without any of this stuff, without the tragedy, without the storyline sort of focusing in on him, there'd be a quiet story to tell about Neil Pionk having um, sort of a, just a step back season, not, not emerging as a superstar, but playing a quality game. If you look at the analytics, he looks positive by those, you know, Domus Chishin's stat cards, all that sort of stuff. His impact defensively has been good. Watch him play. He's a little quicker, a little more assertive, all those sorts of things. But then you factor in and, you know, last Friday, I guess it's almost a week ago now already, just to stand in a scrum, you know, a couple of feet away from him as he's talking about a few days, you know, a few days before that, speaking at his best friend's celebration of life. And then he scores a really important goal. And he says, there's no coincidence in that. I was so honored that they asked me to speak. Um, you know, I, it just, it's just so impressive to see somebody process what's going on in a way that is, I want to say productive, but that doesn't feel like the right word. He is obviously going through the ringer emotionally, as are multiple Winnipeg Jets. You could hear it in Alex Iafalo's voice. That was a very close friendship as well. Um, but Pionk is doing everything in his power to do the right thing. He's taking advantage of um, team counseling services, and he was open enough to talk about that. He's leaned on his family. His family came up and surprised him. They were in the stands the, the first game after the tragedy happened. Um, there are so many sort of structural things where you watch the way that people process things, and, you know, personally, I've also been touched by tragedy. I've spoken to my best friend's funeral as well. Like, I, I have that unfortunate link in common with Neil on this one. And just to watch the way that he's walked through this pain, I can imagine him coming through it with strength as a person. Um, to combine that story with the quality of his play, given all of the things that he's going through, I think it's just a remarkable, remarkable season he's having. And a, a, test, oh, a testament to him and his family as well. I it's, agree. It's a tough shared bond. No, you know what? I mean, I, I, I get that same way sometimes talking about this or hearing the guys talk about it. And, I mean, it's not anything that's going to be going away anytime soon, but, you know, managing that level of grief. And, I mean, again, you never want to talk about, you know, positives coming out of, you know, a horrible tragedy. Um, but for individuals, um, playing with that purpose, playing with, you know, uh, honoring, uh, you know, their friend and, um, you know, having it, turn into um you know the fight and the will to be your best um is something that i think we're seeing right now i gotta ask you about dylan Demello. it's interesting a few people in chat are sort of on number two um and listen there are times where there'll be a goal go in and dylan Demello might look uh, a little awkward at times or maybe in the wrong spot certainly he's he's sold out before we've talked about some of the saves that he's made for connor hellebuck at times this year um but for the non-believers in DeMello and his spot with Josh Morrissey, 
Why does it work? And what might some people not be seeing about what he brings to the table and the results that those guys get when they're on the ice? Yeah, it's uh, it's been three seasons in a row where that pairing has outscored its opposition. You know, when those two guys are on the ice, who scores more goals? Winnipeg, three years in a row. Um, the shot attempts, the scoring chances, the expected goals also favor Winnipeg. So you can kind of believe after all this time that it's sustainable quality there, that that pairing just flat out works. Um, now, if you had Dustin Bufflin there in his prime, could it be even better? Of course, I think so. I mean, um, there there are, is the argument to be made that sometimes Dylan DeMello gets beat, and that happens. But the the total of what's happening is quality for the Jets, and then and he and he's helping on that front. The chemistry is good between those two players, and the quality is there. The results are there. So. How is he actually doing it? Well, I mean, pulling pucks off of the goal line or making those blocks at the last possible second. I mean, uh, that's an important thing. A little bit less on the highlight reels as well. One of the things that DeMello has always done really, really well is go into a corner, shoulder check on his way in, remember where everybody is, and make a six-foot pass that just releases pressure. He's going in there. There's a four-checker as well. Um, there's other chaos going on in the zone. He gets to the puck first, makes a short pass to Morrissey or to a winger or to a center. And that player will almost inevitably have just a little bit more time and space than DeMello did when he went into the puck with pressure or went into the corner with pressure. And that's an underrated skill. It's one of those things that, like, there's no highlight clip about it. Even if you clipped a bunch of them in a row, it's just a guy getting a puck and making a short pass. But that adds up, and it has a lot of impact, and it helps – the Jets get going north and go the other way. And um, I don't think this has been Dylan DeMello's best season as a Winnipeg Jet so far, but I still think that it's been quality and that Winnipeg's doing enough, like they're outchancing and outscoring their opposition when he's on the ice. So, um, and I think that those puck retrievals are, are an enormous part of it for him. The latest in the athletic is how the Jets can build off their solid start. Five areas for improvement. Get on over to the athletic. Subscribe if you haven't already and check out Marat's work. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the games at the uh, rink and uh, enjoy the great cup. Marat, we'll look forward to talking to you back next week when we're uh, back from the hammer. Right on. Let's have the best time. You bet. Thanks so much for doing this. Uh, there it is, Marat Atesh. And, of course, follow him on Twitter or X, whatever we're calling it now, at WPG Marat. Uh, we're going to switch from the Jets to the Grey Cup, although I'm sure our next guest will have a take or two on the uh, local hockey club. Um, but, of course, the uh, Grey Cup is Sunday and we cannot wait. What a season it's been at IG Field and uh, Princess Auto, of course, uh, welcoming fans before the game to the Princess Auto tailgate zone all season long. Everyone will be doing their own tailgates wherever they're enjoying the Grey Cup this week, and we'll be back at it again next year. Uh, but all of our Bomber reports brought to you by a proud sponsor of the Bombers, Princess Auto, where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new, is it Princess Auto? Pop by and see them in-store on Panet Road or Portage Avenue West, and you can always shop online 24-7-365 at princessauto.com. Are you ready for the Grey Cup? Do you have your blue out, folks? Listen, if you need to uh, maybe add to the collection, whether you're heading out to Hamilton or uh, repping the blue and gold at a Grey Cup party here in Winnipeg, 
The only one stop you need to make is getting over to Royal Sports at 750 Pemina Highway. Uh, obviously, they've got bomber winter wear, a great selection of jerseys, hoodies, jackets, and more, and many exclusives that you won't find anywhere else, along with the biggest Winnipeg Jet selection anywhere with tons of exclusives there for the Jets as well. Meanwhile, while you're getting ready for the Grey Cup, you can bang off all that hockey sh- uh, holiday shopping as well for the sports fans in your circle uh, with NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, international soccer, and of course, they are the original OG hockey superstore for over 40 years in Winnipeg. It's all there at Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway. And give them a follow on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. And just before we bring in Scooch, of course, Sunday is Grey Cup Sunday. Boston Pizza is an official sponsor of your Winnipeg Blue Bombers and are welcoming Bomber fans to the official Blue Bomber Grey Cup viewing party at BP Keniston. You'll be able to win official Blue Bomber prize packs all game. Enjoy happy hour special all night, including ice cold Coors Lights and all your BP favorites. Love the mascots there, the VP prize wheel, and more. If you want to book a table for the event, give them a phone call, 204-925-4103. Get there early and get loud. And, of course, if you can't make it to BP Keniston, watch the game on the big screens at your local Boston Pizza. And if you're having a house party, when you order any medium or large gourmet pizza from BP, you'll get your second pizza for 50% off. And you can also order that BP game day meal, including two large gourmet pizzas and a triple order of wings at 925-4111 or online at bostonpizza.com. All right, let's uh, head out east where we'll be heading tonight and welcome in our pal Joe Pascucci. Scooch, what's going on? How are you? I'm very good. Uh, How about yourself? Looking forward to catching up with you uh, sometime this weekend in Hamilton. You got it. Yeah, no, we are fired up. I mean, as I say, listen, I mean, this is uh, this is a fun gig all the time, but it's especially fun when we're talking about a football (laughs) team on the verge of a dynasty unquestioned uh, and not to mention the hockey club. Listen, I know we're going to kind of dive into the Grey Cup and the matchup, but uh, you pay close attention to the Jets. I mean, uh, what have you thought through 15 games? I love it. I, I love what I'm seeing. I love this uh, new approach that, uh, you know, they're playing with. It's, it's funny because for years I used to, uh, used to say that I've never seen a team turn the puck over more times, whether it's at their blue line or the opposing blue line, than the Winnipeg Jets. And... They've finally, it seems, for the most part, got that finally out of their game where they don't turn the puck over, don't get caught in transition. They do dump it in. They do get the defense of the other team to turn around and they put pressure. Finally, you know, like finally, it wasn't that hard, but they were so stubborn. They would try to make a cute little pass and you see it once in a while with this team. They try to make that cute little pass at the blue line to make something more fancy the way they want to score a goal if they just do the sort of meat and potatoes way of scoring they get their goals and one other thing that they're doing they're getting to the front of the net finally finally they're causing some distraction for the goaltender you know we always see it with the other teams they're always standing in front of Connor Hellebuck trying to take away his eyes and that's another thing the Jets 
of the past seem to refuse to do, but this Jets team uh, seems willing to take on that task. And I think, uh, you know, everything I've seen, I've seen from afar, I've really liked this team. And I thought last night watching it, uh, you know, from here in the greater Toronto area, I, I didn't think I've heard a louder crowd this season than what I heard last night against uh, when they were playing the, the Devils. And I don't think the building was uh, close to a sellout. Yeah, no, I mean, listen, the last two games, uh, and I've always been one that I kind of can take or leave the afternoon games because they're sometimes sort of sleepy. Um, the Dallas game was awesome on Saturday mm-hmm. afternoon. Yep. And, uh, you know, listen, uh, there's a lot of positive things happening, and hopefully we'll see some more butts in the seat. They got Friday and Saturday night games. The team's playing well. So I uh, hope they can get some uh, positive momentum there, much like they're doing on the ice. Uh, listen, we've talked a lot about Mark Shifley in the past. I mean, he's having yep. a great start to the season after signing the contract. Awesome. Kyle Connor and all that. Yep. But, uh, I, I, I mean, listen, coming out of a game last night where we saw Connor tie for the league lead in goals and Shifley had just a brilliant game. Ehlers, Perfetti. For me, a lot of it comes back to Adam Lowry. As the captain, what he's done kind of changing the culture, if you will. I know that's an overused word, um, but also from leading by example. And Joe, you, you mentioned, you know, doing those simple things, working hard, winning battles, cycling the puck, all that. That line had so much success early on. It was carrying the team at times. It seems like speaking of leading, many of the more skilled Winnipeg Jets are sort of taking a page out of that book when you add the skill that they have into it, um, you know, it's showing up on the scoreboard right now, but just thoughts on uh, Adam Lowry's first 15 games as captain and what we've seen night in and night out from he Appleton and Nino Niederreiter. Well, that's a, that's a terrific, uh, obviously third line for the Winnipeg Jets. Sometimes they're, they're top line this season, but you know, it's the work that they put in. It, it certainly seems to have flown uh, a flow to the, uh, the to the top line. I mean, Mark Shifley, I know in the past, you know, I was one of his harshest critics. I was in line with many others, and I, I said he played with a sense of entitlement. I don't see that anymore in his game. And, I mean, I was that was a great pass last night to uh, Kyle oh. Connor for the goal. But I was more impressed with the back checking. I love it. You know, I love the 200-foot game. I know he struggled a little bit on Saturday. You know, he did a couple of flybys. The first one sort of by accident with Ayafalo, but the second one on the the goal that everyone, the shorthanded goal that, you know, more people seem to uh, put on uh, Perfetti. I, I thought Mark did a flyby on that one. But, you know, they're few and far fewer you know, far between, you know, those defensive gaffes that he, he used to make on a constant basis. You know, there's a care in his game now. So I, I, I just love the way that Mark Shifley's playing. You know, I, I just, like I said earlier, I just wish they would just play more meat and potatoes when they get those two-on-one breaks. They're always seem to be looking for the pass or, you know, trying not to be selfish. Sometimes you have to be selfish. Take the shot. Go for the rebound off the pad, Right. You know, so Lowry has just, you know, leading by example is great. I, you know, the only concern I had when naming him captain was the fact that sometimes he goes into those long scoring droughts. And, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, the fans sort of get on him about that. Uh, but that line, just terrific, just just terrific. And even the fourth line. You know, now things are going to change, obviously, with the injury. But uh, everyone is contr- contributed this year it's just fantastic to watch from afar yeah i mean we talked a lot about the depth 
that we thought this team has. Yeah. Uh, they've been showing it through 15 games. Uh, Gilbert Marion, this team has taken the identity of the captain. Right there with you on that one, Gilbert. And lots of love for Scooch in the chat. Scooch is a living legend, and he's a fantastic <laughs> Twitter follow, too. Lots of cool throwback posts. Certainly some of our favorites here. And, well, let's speaking of, you know, throwbacks and history, let's move on to the Blue Bombers. Um, yep. Four straight Western Division titles. First time mm-hmm. any team has done that since the dynastic Edmonton teams <laughs> of the late 70s and 80s. Um Joe, when you think of what's possible on Sunday, if they raise that Grey Cup, I mean, where do we put this era of Blue Bomber football amongst the uh, the greatest in the history of this team since 1930? Well, I think it goes uh, right alongside the Bud Grant, the Bud Grant teams of the 1950s and uh, early 60s. I mean, they played in five Grey Cups in six years. And they'll, they'll tell you the year that they didn't go, 1960, that's when they had their best team. <laughs> so uh, you, you have to stack it right alongside that group with the, the team from the 80s changed a lot. You know, from 1984 to 1988 to uh, 1990, that team changed uh, quite a bit. But, you know, the 1950s and 60s Blue Bombers and this edition of the Blue Bombers, I mean, there's there a lot of players uh, that the team had a strong nucleus and they were all together for all those years. So I think you have to rank them right alongside the Bud Grant era teams and, you know, another great cup or two, and maybe they go to top spot. Well, uh, you know, they'll uh, work on that on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's wild that they're playing Montreal. Um, <laughs> I mean, I was at the jet game uh, before the bomber game. So I wasn't watching it. We were just kind of intermission. Like what the hell? It's 17, three Montreal. And then you get out of halftime and it's another pick six and going, what the heck is going on? Like Joe, I think about the matchup between these two teams in the regular season, the Montreal offense scored six points against the blue bombers. The offense didn't do very much against Toronto to be perfectly honest on the weekend. Mm-hmm. Like it's making me nervous how confident I am in the bombers on the weekend. Um, <laughs> and because there is a reason why they play the games. Um, but yeah. from your perspective, I mean, what do you make of this matchup and um, the challenge that the Alouettes pose for the bombers when let's face it, we all expected it was going to be the double blue. I'm, I'm concerned just as you are. Because, I, you know what, I look back at 1988. That Bomber team, you know, wasn't great offensively, uh, you know. And in the playoffs under Sean Salisbury, they only turned the ball over once. That was the key, you know. And they were opportunistic when it came to scoring. But they had a defense. And the defense won them games in the playoffs and of course in the great cup of course the interception by mike gray but there was also a a third down uh, gamble that they stopped the bc lions on they blocked a field goal in that game rod hill had an interception so i'm concerned about that montreal defense because that montreal defense did play well against the bombers in that game at uh ig uh ig field and yes the offense of montreal doesn't score but they don't turn the ball over. Though Cody Fajardo hasn't have a, a, a string of good luck against the Bombers. Let's oh. hope that continues. But I, uh, I, and you know what? Zach Caleros hasn't been always at his best in those Great Cup games. You know, and I thought against BC, 
I mean, the Bomber offense was was really strong in that first half. But in the second half, I thought mm-hmm. the BC defense got the better of the Bombers and shut them down. They certainly shut the running game down of Brady Oliveira. So, and Montreal has a really good defense now. So if Montreal can stop Brady Oliveira, make Zach Caleros look ordinary, and if Cody Fajardo doesn't turn the ball over um, against that bomber defense, which was ferocious against BC, they have to come up with another big game. I mean, I think there is a way for Montreal to win that game. I don't want to see it, but I think there is a way. Well, yeah, I, and I mean, I think it, you know, it, a lot of it would be on the Bombers and making the mistakes. And you know what's funny? Part part of the reason why I have this level of confidence is that the Bombers are just so professional and they are a team that has learned from their mistakes in the past. And listen, they all remember things that didn't go well in last year's Grey Cup, and I think they'll be working very hard to make sure those don't happen. And you mentioned Caleros. I mean, that game at IG Field, if you recall, yeah. It, he threw two pick sixes in that game and the bombers won by 30. I mean, they, <laughs> they, they put up 47 in that game. And like, as I said, the 17 points was two touchdowns on passes thrown by Zach. He was so pissed off about that weeks later. Uh, I'm sure that's still in his mind. And I have a feeling considering that happened in the regular season, it's far less likely to happen on, uh, on the weekend. But um, again, that's why they play the games. The Bombers are a favorite. They should be the favorite um, and are on the verge of doing something really oh. special. Uh, historic in terms of uh, this, uh, the history of this football club. I mean, just the way, the way they've dominated the West, you know, the last three seasons. Um, this is truly a special time for Blue Bomber football fans and for uh, the history of this football club. You know, speaking of historic seasons, I wanted to ask you about Brady Oliveira. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't, no one has a better grasp of uh, you know the history of this team than you. I mean, where where does Brady's season rank with the best offensive seasons in Bomber history? Not quarterbacks. Um, well, it, you'd have to go up against uh, Milt Stegall's two thousand and two season when he was named the most. Outstanding player. He had the record 23 touchdown receptions. Um, there was that season in 19, I think it was 1997, where it seemed like every catch Milt made was like for 40 or 50 yards that season. The Bomber offense didn't have much, but whenever he caught the ball, it was for a big game. So I I, I guess I would put it up against the, the Milt Stegall's 2002 season, the 23 uh, touchdown catches, which was a record. Um, that's the season I would compare it to. You know, as for running backs, uh, I, I don't think there is a comparable because, he, you know, he does also come out of the backfield, catches the ball. I would have loved to have seen, I know it was a meaningless game. I wish it hadn't been, but I would love to have seen him take a run at the overall record by John Cornish for the, you know, for combined yards. I would have loved to have seen that. But uh, he's a special player, and he's going to have to have another a big game against the Alouettes on Sunday. I think he's the key. If the Alouettes stop, you know, Brady, I think they have a chance. I think they have a chance to win. Joe, um, you know, one of the other uh, – and listen, I'm not sure that the answer to this question really depends a lot on whether this team wins or not um, on Sunday. Um, but, like, in five to ten years – 
how many of the bombers are going to be up in that ring of honor? Like they might need a new level for the amount of guys that frankly have etched out historic blue bomber careers during this, uh, this Wade Miller, right. Kyle Walters, Mike O'Shea era. And they can basically start building the statue of Osh right now, if you ask me. Yeah. Well, I mean, Wade Miller is in the bomber hall of fame as a player. Uh, and I would have to say he'll, he should uh, be in the Hall of Fame as a builder because he certainly rebuilt this franchise from the bottom, you know, with after the Joe Mack disaster. And he has he has elevated this football club because at that time they were the laughing stock, not only of the CFL, but especially of the city. Nobody wanted anything to do with the Blue Bombers. But Wade, Kyle Walters, that was a brave choice. And then Mike O'Shea, you know, there was a, a few years of struggling there for Mike O'Shea and the football club, but they got it together. And, and now they're a juggernaut, the Canadian Mafia. And all three of them, Obviously, we'll be up on the Ring of Honor, or at least in the Bomber Hall of Fame at one point. Uh, from this roster, you got to say at least 10. But, you know, there's a lot of other players that deserve to be up on that Ring of Honor, too, that are ahead of them. So, you know, they may have to wait a while, but they'll be in the Bomber Hall of Fame. <laughs> Maybe they can do it, uh, you know, one big night. There'll be about 10 of them going in all at once. And well, that would be fitting because of the fact that they were all together. This is a team that has been all together, you know, for the last four or five seasons. Well, and uh, and doing things that, I mean, I've never seen in my lifetime. And uh, most people, uh, most people around here haven't. Yeah. Um, well, I've never seen, I don't think I've ever seen five consecutive sellouts well, at Winnipeg Stadium. That's the other thing. And you speaking about the builder part of what Wade Miller has done. I mean, yeah. as great as the team that they've built is on the field, um, leveraging that and connecting with the fan base in a way that has not happened again during my lifetime. It, it's it's a yeah, special time. I, I mean, it is the place to be. Um, the games this year, the crowd, the atmospheres have been magical. And as uh, Adam Big Hill said, after the game he had never heard that place louder and that is saying something it was uh it was a scene there on saturday and uh we're looking forward to a scene if they can finish the job coming up on sunday uh scooch what uh, just before we go how are how are things at work what's going on at the hockey hall of fame these days <laughs> well uh, i've actually come to the end of my uh the project that i was uh, working on so now I'm hoping to move on to a different project. Uh, hope to see you Friday at the uh, Legends Luncheon uh, there uh, at Grey Cup Week in Hamilton. Uh, put some videos together for that. And hopefully there's some other opportunities around the corner. And maybe, you know, there'll be another project I can do for the, for the Hockey Hall of Fame. Well, I certainly enjoy going to work there. Well, I'll tell you what, we can uh, we can certainly get working on some Bomber Hall of Fame stuff because uh, there's a lot of guys that are going to end up there playing oh, in yes. this game on Sunday. Uh, Scooch, uh, depending on the show and when that luncheon is, I may or may not see you then, but we'll certainly see you on the weekend. Cannot wait to uh, get out there later on tonight and uh, have a good time, and uh, we'll see you in the hammer and see if the Bombers can put a bow on another magical season. Go Bombers, go. <laughs> Thanks, Gooch. There it is, the one and only Joe Piscucci. Follow him, Piscucci015 on Twitter and X. As Bruce mentioned, uh, just some incredible posts with uh, archives of some of the best and sometimes the quirkiest and most interesting moments in Winnipeg sports. 
thank me later for uh, for that. And a big thanks to Joe for jumping on with us. Well, hey, big game on Sunday. Where are you? Uh, where are you getting together with the gang? Are you having a big great cup party? As we mentioned, you can get the wings and you get the pizzas from Boston Pizza. But I would suggest, <clears throat> with such a big day for Winnipeg sports, you celebrate it with Winnipeg's best local beer, Little Brown Jug. Some 1919s and generic lager go great with any Grey Cup function. So make sure to get down to uh, your local beer store or the brewery and taproom on William, William Avenue and stock up for Grey Cup. And heck, while you're at it, you may as well stock up for the upcoming holidays. Of course, Little Brown Jug, great sponsor of ours and now official partner of the Bombers and official partner of the Jets. And if you're heading out to maybe your first game of the season on Friday or Saturday... Don't forget, Craft Beer Corner, now at Canada Life Centre, generic and 1919 available. Step it up with Winnipeg's best local beer at the uh, Canada Life Centre the next time you are there. And hey, i got to give a shout out to our friends Nick and Nikki, Nick and Nikki DQ, for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Tell you what, maybe a DQ a bomber-themed Grey Cup cake for your party might be a good idea. You can hit them up on Instagram at DQ Winnipeg uh, if you want to uh, order something uh, online or let them know what you want it done custom made. Pop by and see them, though. DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and the DQ in Niverville. And speaking of Grey Cup parties, maybe you want to cater from Pita Pit. Nick and Nikki now at the DQ out in Niverville would be happy to cater your Grey Cup party or any event, birthday parties, school lunches, all catering options, and they'll deliver to you citywide as well. Hit them up, Niverville at PetaPitMB.com or hit them up on X or Instagram, very simply, at PetaPitNiverville. PetaPit, healthy, fresh, delicious, fast, so damn good. A favorite of Michael Remus. Speaking of Michael Remus, let's get Remo back in here. Uh, Man, I'm fired up to get out there after talking to Scooch. This is going to be a fun, fun weekend. Get out to Pita Pit? Yeah, I'm fired up too. No, uh, get out to Ham- <laughs> Hamilton. Yeah, it's uh, exciting. I'm going to see a lot of people who, who maybe I've been emailing with for years and uh, we never met in person, so that that's kind of cool. Uh, you know, Marshall Ferguson, one person, he's in Hamilton, won the marble race a couple weeks ago, texted him, bought a hoodie in my, yes. in my suitcase, uh, ready to give to him. That's one guy who Dusty's going to be out there. Too, maybe in person. I don't know. Are you guys ever in the same room together? So well, it's hilarious. Very rarely. Like sometimes we'll go up for beers uh, when he's here to do bomber games after uh, he's all he's all done. Sometimes mm-hmm. you know he'll do dinner with the TSN crew, and at that time I'm well on my way with the crew somewhere in the city. Uh, but we'll definitely gray cup it with the, with Nielsen. We'll definitely see Scooch. I can't wait to see Marsh and. Uh, See what the next few days uh, bring for us. By the way, turn your notifications on. Uh, you don't want to miss if we uh, do some additional content over the course of the weekend. Probably plan to uh, crank something out on Grey Cup Saturday at some point in the afternoon. So uh, all you YouTubers, and keep an eye on uh, on our social feeds as well. We'll give you a little bit of a uh, heads up on that. Listen, we do want to get to the uh, cool bet lines, but uh, Remo, you were mentioning we got a little bit of Brady Oliveira who uh, spoke with the uh, media out in Hamilton as the Bombers are going to get ready to try to reclaim the throne. Yeah, today is uh, media day, so a lot of guys speaking. But, um, you know, this is Brady Oliveira's, what, his third Grey Cup. The first one was in uh, Hamilton. But here, he talked first to us about the feeling around the team for Grey Cup week. Here's Brady. 
Definitely a lot of excitement you can feel um, around the guys. And, uh, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's good to be back here. You know, we, we put so much work throughout the year to, you know, get to our end goal of, you know, playing in another great cup. And uh, I think it's good, you know, having a, uh, the core group of guys experiencing great cup weeks and kind of knowing the ins and outs of what goes on. And uh, and we obviously don't want to think that it's, it's routine-like, uh, but definitely guys being able to experience it can kind of share knowledge to the younger guys of, of how the week goes. So I think it's it's definitely good knowing that there's lots of guys on the team that have experienced this week, and uh, we just got really just got to treat it like another game. All right, so there's Brady Oliveira on the uh, feeling around the team. Um, here's a little bit more from uh, the Western MOP nominee. Uh, talked about what he learned since his first Grey Cup appearance in Hamilton. You know, still think I'm young in my career, but I was a lot younger in my career, and I was. Uh, a uh, very young and hungry, motivated running back that was ready to go and, and uh, had to wait his turn, right? But it, it was good. I was able to sit back and and uh, watch my teammates prepare, uh, obviously alongside of them, but, you know, not really having a large large role in that game and then, you know, being able to see what they what they did in the game and, and knowing that, you know, one day my time will come um, and being able to you know, showcase what I can do in, in big moments and big games like this. So... And now we're here, so uh, it, it's very exciting. Um, you know, my will be my second start in a Grey Cup game, so very appreciative of that and, and ready to get to work. Um, one of the other questions that uh, the players are dealing with today is the uh, potential of no Adam Bigill, who has been a mainstay in that Bomber defense throughout this uh, Grey Cup era. Um, Brady Oliveira talked about possibly missing their defensive leader. Yeah, you know, obviously losing a guy like Biggie, I mean, it's hard to replace a guy like that. You know, that guy's going to go down as one of the all-time greats. Um, so, of course, hard to to fill in for him. But uh, that being said, you know, I go up against these linebackers every single day in practice. And, you know, seeing the work that they put in and, and seeing them fly around. And when they do get their opportunities, you know, guys have gotten opportunities throughout this season at the linebacker position. And, you know, guys like Malik, guys like B. Cole stepping in and, and flying around and making plays has given us confidence going into these, this week, knowing that, hey, you know, guys are very much capable of uh, stepping in there and, and doing their job and doing a good job and playing at a high level. So, um, you know, obviously having Biggie uh, out could hurt us, but I think having Malik and B. Cole on our side will be just fine. All right, yeah, Malik Clements uh, looking to uh, be the guy, presumably in Big Hill's spot, assuming that he is not able to go. Uh, you know, listen, right from the start of the season, we've been talking about an unfinished business tour for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. There's one more stop on that, and it is Sunday afternoon at Tim Horton's Field. Uh, and don't think that the Bombers won't have last year's loss to the Toronto Argonauts in the back of their minds through preparation to make sure that it doesn't happen again. Oliveira expanded on what the Blue Bombers learned from their loss last year. Yeah, you know, I th I've definitely thought about it. You know, I thought about it lots throughout my offseason. Um, a lot. Yeah, it was uh, a feeling that I don't want to ever feel again, but it's the nature of the business. You're not going to win them all. Um, and I think it was definitely a good learning experience for lots of guys, for me, my, myself, for sure. Taking that to the offseason, um, being critical, you know, how can I improve in lots of areas of my game and bring it into this season and continue to evolve and, and 
to help my team get to another championship, and now here we are. So um, I think it was it was good. You know, I think that needed to happen for lots of us to look ourselves in the mirror and say, you know, how how can we get better? How can we make sure that this doesn't happen again? When you say you thought about it a lot in the offseason, was it how you felt after the game? Was it specific plays in the game? Like, what was the reoccurring nightmare, maybe? Yeah, I would say the biggest thing was the feeling, you know, the the feeling of, of losing. You know, I, I think we all could probably agree on this, all my teammates, but we, we hate losing. Um, we play this game to win games and to win championships. So when you work so hard throughout the year and there's so much sacrifice that goes into this and to being where we are today. So when you get here and then that feeling of just defeat, you know, it's uh, it's a terrible feeling. So um, I think it was, you know, good. It, it motivated me a lot through, uh, you know, it ends up being a long off season and, and you got to stick to the process and continue to, you know, wake up early and, and stick to your routines of, and of, you know, your, your workouts, your speed workouts, whatever it is. And there's some days where you might not want to do it, but you know, that, let that thought creep into your mind of, well, do you want to lose another Grey Cup game? And that kind of motivates you a little bit. Great stuff from uh, the podium with uh, Bombers MOP Brady Oliveira counting down to the 110th Grey Cup. Incredibly, the first ever matchup in the Grey Cup between the Montreal Alouettes and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. All right, before we're done, Let's get to the cool bet lines and um, no Jets game tonight. So I can't just uh, hand over another plus 585 winner like we did yesterday with the Winnipeg Sports Talk Parlay. However, we did jump into a uh, one for tonight's game in the lock shop with my guy, Pat Gregoire, a little earlier today. You can check that out in the uh, replay if you want over at Edmonton Sports Talk and subscribe to the Lock Shop podcast wherever you get your pods. Just search Lock Shop. Four games tonight. Um, The Flyers who have done their fair share of messing up the odd parlay this year, are uh, in Carolina tonight to take on the Hurricanes. Flyers, plus 200 on the money line. Canes, minus 239. Uh, you've got the Kraken and the Edmonton Oilers. Edmonton looking for their third straight win, building off the uh, streak that started with a win in Seattle on Saturday. Kraken, plus 153. Oilers, minus 181. And I'll give you a little tease. I think I'm going to drop the play of the day for Cool Bet a little later on with the McDavid goal at minus 113. Uh, the Anaheim Ducks, who did the, the Jets and the rest of the Central a favor, beating the Preds last night in Nashville, are right back at it tonight in a real tough spot on the second end of back-to-back nights, traveling to Denver to take on the Colorado Avalanche. The Ducks are plus 265 underdogs. The Avs are minus 328 favorites. And then the return of Bo Horvat in the uh, nightcap. Canucks and Islanders. Bo Horvat and his new team, plus 129 underdogs. And the Vancouver Canucks coming off this great start, minus 152 favorites. We did put together a lock shop partner parlay today. Uh, we're going to ride with the Canes to beat Philly in regulation. The Avalanche on the puck line to win by two. So Avalanche minus one and a half. And the Canucks to win. Money line, win anyway. Regulation, overtime shootout. Uh, that one's in there at plus 475. So uh, had a lot of success lately with our lock shop partner parlays and the Winnipeg Sports Talk exclusive. So if you like Carolina to win in reg, Colorado to win by two, and Vancouver to win, get on over. We've got a nice boost to plus 475. That's available right now in the Cool Bet exclusives. And again, if you haven't played a Cool Bet before, use the promo code WST 
for a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks, and then put it all in the Bombers, who are eight and a half point favorites as we speak. Line moved yesterday from seven and a half to eight and a half. Um, and I see the totals creeped up half a point. Total for the game, 47 and a half. Bombers minus 385 on the money line and Montreal plus 305. Uh, Remo, that's going to do it, and we should get out of here because we got some packing to do and got a uh, flight to catch. Yes, uh, I got to put stuff in a suitcase, uh, make sure I'm ready to go. Uh, we've been a couple hours here, so good good idea. Don't don't forget any of the important stuff. Yeah, I got to make sure I do not do that. So. Checklist. Checklist is key. Um, so, folks, we're going to see you tomorrow uh, from Hamilton at the Grey Cup. Going to fly out tonight, get there very late or in the early morning, but uh, we'll be ready to go tomorrow. And uh, looking forward to a couple shows heading into a massive Winnipeg Sports Weekend with the Jets at home on Friday and Saturday night, Buffalo Friday, Arizona Saturday, and then the main event of the weekend, the 110th Grey Cup from Tim Hortons Field in Hamilton. We will be there for you. And uh, we should, if all things go well, be back in time to do the show at 1 o'clock on Monday afternoon. Hopefully talking about a third Grey Cup in four seasons. Um, that's going to do it for us. A big thanks to uh, Jamie Thomas, who jumped on. Great chat with him. Murata Tesh, always a fan favorite of WST years. And uh, our guy Joe Piscucci, who we'll look forward to seeing on the weekend out in Hamilton. Don't forget, if you haven't already, you can click the link right in the description of this video. Get over to winnipegsports.com and click on the link for the uh, Vita Health Prairie Naturals Contest for the Trevor Linden autographed jersey and the uh, full package of the Prairie Natural Supplements. We'll announce more qualifiers tomorrow and Friday on the program. Um, have a great night, gang. And we'll talk to you tomorrow from the hammer. The Grey Cup is on. Uh, we would have loved to have been there today, but we'll get out there tonight. And uh, more of the sights and sounds of the Grey Cup, the latest on the Winnipeg Jets and the Bombers' quest for a dynasty tomorrow at 1 p.m. live on YouTube and uh, shortly thereafterwards on your favorite podcast feed. Have a great one, everyone. We'll talk to you tomorrow from Hamilton. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.